What's up, listeners? Welcome to Predator vs. Movies. I'm Alex. I am Peter. I'm Aiden. I can't do that. Oh my god, dude. I'm not it. <laughs> this, is a, this is a donut inside a donut where we discuss and review the latest movie releases. We'll start off with a non-spoiler review before diving into a deep discussion of the film. And then we'll ask the most important question. Would this movie be better... If the alien from Predator was in it, you sound a little bit like Sully. No, it's much better. <laughs> this week we'll be reviewing Glass Onion with our oh, special. That's good. That's good. With our special guest, Ethan. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But before before we get into our <laughs> segment, um, the, the the new segment, we have a little Christmas uh, wish for you guys. Um, if you're listening right now, please leave a review and a star rating on the podcast. Just That's leave our... a little review, come on, guys. <laughs> or as our Hanukkah gift, or as our whatever holiday gift, yeah. non-denominational holiday gift. Give yep. the gift of a like and yep. a star rating on whatever platform you listen to. Thanks. Uh, anyways, let's get into the news. So uh, first off, The Rock delivered a statement on social media regarding his status in the DCEU. Um, and we're going to read part of it because this is fun. Uh, do we want to do it in the Benoit Blanc voice? If you want. I can't do it if you want I want to. Um, let's let's take turns though. I did a, a whole bunch of Benoit, so let's okay. hear from. Let's start with Aiden because Peter's is gonna be ass. Oh man, I can't even. Okay, okay. What part do you want me to read? I'll read the beginning then. Yeah, you can read the beginning. My passionate it. friends, I wanted to give you a long-awaited Black Adam update regarding the character's future in the DC universe. I don't know, I can't do it. No, that was good. That was good. Peter, you disappeared for a second. Was that because I offended you? <laughs> Dude, I don't know why. Like, all of you froze. I no, think it was weird. It must be. You, like, you blipped. Sure. Anyways, do you have the um the the rock statement in front of you? I do. I can pull it up. Okay. Okay, I have the next part. Um James Gunn and I connected in oh, no. <laughs> Black Adam will not be in the first chapter of storytelling. However, DC and Seven Bucks have agreed to continue exploring the most valuable ways Black Adam can be utilized in future DC multiverse chapters. Yeah, hey. Yeah, well, I think that, like, the most interesting part to me is later he says, in the next paragraph, he says, and I'm just going to drop the X. <laughs> <laughs> okay. he, he says, James and I have known each other for years and have always rooted for each other to succeed. It's no different now, and I will always root for DC and Marvel to win <laughs> and win big. <laughs> and I can't help but feel like that's him trying to jump ship into, into, the, Mar <laughs> into the Marvel plot. <laughs> I think it's just so funny, like how very carefully this is worded. Mm. Um, I almost wonder, like, if someone else wrote it for him. There's yeah. some, like, like the I, next. I feel like no. I feel like he would never let that happen. 
You think? There's yeah. I, I, one of my favorite lines is is uh, these decisions made by James and DC le- leadership represent their vision of DCU through their creative lens. Yeah, just a nothing. That's statement. a nothing statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that means literally nothing. <laughs> yeah. So James Gunn is like making movies and stuff. He, like, yeah, yeah. doing stuff right yeah. now. Um, and then he he ends it off with uh, now we all need some teramana, which I believe is alcohol (laughs) just based on context that sounds like an alcoholic drink uh so yeah black adam unsurprisingly is not part of the dc he unsuccessfully changed the power hierarchy he failed to change the power hierarchy. let's not get it wrong actually i think the rock had the biggest hand in affecting the power he just didn't wind up on top of the power hierarchy (laughs) (laughs) he just just kind of like smashed through it and made it fall to pieces what was left of it um, so that was fun today. Uh, we got some news about uh, Todd Field. He said that there's a new short film in the Tar Cinematic Universe <laughs> called The Fundraiser <laughs> that will be releasing, uh, I think, early next year. That's very exciting. That's funny. <laughs> I wonder, like, like, what is it about Tar? Like, is it still following Lydia Tar, or is it someone else? Or I don't, I don't. And know. if it doesn't, I... then how is it? Like that universe is just the world. Like you know <laughs> <what I mean? laughs> that's true. I yeah, like maybe she's trying to fund something. I thought it would be Mark Strong's character. That was my guess. Oh what yeah, was his role. He was like a benef- benefactor he, or something. Yeah, he was like a rich guy. He was like born rich, and he was a bit of a sycophant. And... Yeah. yeah, Ethan. What do you think? Have you you seen Tar? I uh, have not seen Tar, unfortunately. Really? That's, yeah, I missed it. That's surprising. That's a good um, one. It is I, a very I good want, one. I wanted to, but I was uh, I was in the Hallmark labor camp at the time. Oh no! I leave. <laughs> <laughs> that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, <laughs> Peter, did you? What do you? Did you see Tar? I forget already. Dude, we were literally on the episode together. Come on, man. <laughs> These episodes blur together, and you're, like, not on half of them. So, <laughs> sorry, man. Um, anyways, what do you think about the the benefactor, the, the fundraiser? That's cool, man. Like, I thought, um, like, usually movies like that is, like, a one-off. And the fact that you, you, we're getting opportunities to see more of the world, I think, is always fun. So, I'm open to the idea, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, next news, uh, last episode, which we record, uh, breaking the veil here, but we only recorded what three days ago. Like yeah. we're we're recording this one a bit early to avoid Christmas, but um, we had a, a discussion, more of an argument about what exactly the Scream poster says, <laughs> Scream Six, um, because <laughs> as a reminder, there's a slash through the M, so that the M becomes a V and a one. That are soaked red. An eye, actually. And sorry, yeah, and then a V and an I, and then the the other part. So we're wondering: is it does it say screeny, where the M becomes an N and an I, or does it say screevy, where it be, the M becomes two I's and a V? Uh, so we did a little poll, and I'm going to try and find the results now okay we know what the results are you know it you know you don't interrupt it you know what happened (laughs) well i i was on the wrong account i was on my personal account okay i found it okay so in second place (laughs) (laughs) is screeny with 
one vote. Yeah, that guy's smart. That one guy is smart. Definitely Aiden who (laughs) voted for that. And in first place, Screevy, a whopping, what is that? Four votes, hey, and I didn't vote. So I promise there are four other people Mm. on the internet who agree with me. So there you have it, folks. It definitively says Screevy. I'm going to keep saying Screevy. That's okay. Um, Other news for this week. Uh, We got the first Oppenheimer full trailer, I think. Yeah, yes. I think so. Um, yep. And I have to say, it looks very good. I'm surprised, looks personally. Cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're surprised? Dude, never doubt Nolan, bro. Never doubt Nolan. I mean... I think he's given some reason to doubt. <laughs> the last couple of years. Tenet, Tenet looked fine. But, like, this looks this really cool. good. It reminds it looks- me of a... Do you know, like, uh, I, I don't even know, like, what era or country, so this is going to be super vague, but when they're experimenting a lot with, like, like painting on film and just making, like, uh, like, a, like images, like, that aren't real things, they're just kind of, like, swishing, like, pixels and grain and stuff like that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, you mean the cutscenes to, like, the ex- nuclear yeah. fish? Yeah, no, I think I know what you mean, like, in the experimental filmmaking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I have no idea what era or country that is, but yeah. <laughs> I think it, no, I think that those like CG images are really cool. Yeah. Um, I also think like Cillian Murphy is going to be like, did I say that name it's right? Killian Murphy? It's Murphy. Killian, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I knew, I knew he would have something. <laughs> um, Killian Murphy's performance, like I, I feel like this is one of the few times. Nolan is like actually being like, yeah, let's look at the actor and what their face is telling me instead of like, bang, 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 you know, yeah. like <laughs> all like, the explosions. Focusing um, on character a little bit more than literally naming the main character the protagonist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of explosions, uh, there was a bit of news based on that. Oh, I yeah. think Aiden has something to say. Yeah. So this, we are a little bit behind on this. I think this broke before our last episode that yeah. this happened, but um, it was Twitter was talking about the fact that Christopher Nolan reportedly created a nuclear explosion completely <laughs> practically. <laughs> and it was like very, very, as to how he did that like to be clear we don't think he set off a nuke but he (laughs) was able to recreate a nuclear explosion without using any cg and just like the vagueness of that statement and (laughs) the implication that he just set off a nuke in the middle of arizona or something yeah i think i think what i heard was that he he replicated one of the earlier tests Mm -hmm. with like an actual bomb and i mean i love practical effects so i i fully support this as long as you know he didn't actually nuke anybody <laughs> dude i just like uh, he like I killed just, an entire town and like rendered an entire section of america inhabitable i'm like <laughs> pretty sure he didn't do that i just remember <laughs> when he when it first got announced that he's going to take on this project everyone's joking that oh shit he's gonna do it no, everything impractical, you know. He's gonna set off a new, and this motherfucker actually did it. It's crazy it's, to me. Nolan's gonna Nolan. Speaking of Nolan, um, Peter, I know that you're a big, a, hu- a humongous Nolan fan. Nolan's love chair, Nolan. I say. Love Nolan. Love He's Nolan. Great. So, so what do you think about this little Oppie, Oppieheimer? Oppieheimer. Like the trailer. Yeah. Oh, no. dude. I, I mean, okay. I think. What do you think I, about the historical figure from the 1940s? I, I think. I think it looks great, man. Like, I think um, 
this this type of movie is all about focusing on you know being responsible of creating such a destructive device while balancing you know like the meaning behind that like this device is created more as a deterrent than as like an actual weapon but then it's actually been put into war and how that affects the creator itself you know like you basically gave birth to this device weapon of mass destruction and how does that impact him while i think he himself is more like a man of science all about discovery creation all that so and like i personally don't know a lot about oppenheimer uh i think everyone heard about like einstein and everything but like less people heard about oppenheimer so it's really cool to get a peek into history and you know having nolan which i'm i'm curious how he's gonna factor like time which is you know something that he loves to play with into this movie because this is more like a lot more historic like in dunkirk we have the sort of like parallel timeline thing i have no idea how he's going to execute it for this movie i think it just it should just play in reverse just (laughs) rewind it backwards um no actually you bring up a good point like i i wonder if this film will be controversial like how do you think nolan is gonna handle the idea of like atomic bombs because like peter mentioned like the morality of creating the atomic bomb absolutely dubious to say the least right like was it a deterrent was it the right thing to do kind of thing like i i wonder if nolan is going to be able to tackle that well well i think it's less so about the commentary on the weapon itself and more about how the creation impacted its creator you know like how does that affect the life of oppenheimer and we see it through like his lens. Do you think it'll wind up being a cancel culture allegory? <laughs> like, oh, they they canceled him for making a nuke. Like, <laughs> no, I don't think that. But like what Peter's saying, like you know, that could be like, oh, sad white boys made a bomb and now he feels bad, kind of thing. Like, you know, like sure, almost yeah, anything. Yeah. Well, with the internet, you know, people can make something out of anything. So, I, well, I wouldn't be surprised, but. Um, yeah, I think it looks good. And oh, we've got first looks at uh, Robert Downey Jr. and yeah. Joshua Peck, oh, yeah. both of oh, whom, like, I haven't really. Stuff. I Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I haven't seen them in, like, a serious role in a while. And I feel like this could be, like, the first good Robert Downey Jr. performance since Iron Man, maybe. Dude, I thought, <laughs> I really thought RDJ retired. But then I found out that he might be attached yeah. to do Sherlock Holmes again. Really? Yeah. Like the guy Ritchie, once was it Guy Ritchie? I didn't know that. I think Guy Ritchie did that. He's yeah, been wanting to do those movies for a while, or the third one of it. Oh I, yeah, um, I thought those movies were fun. I'd, I'd be, I'd be. It done to is see that. Guy Ritchie. Yeah, I did not know that. What about the second one though? Got they're it. both. They're both Guy also Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Anyways, uh, there was a- another trailer uh, that Aiden would like to talk about uh, for a little documentary. Yeah, so there, this is one that we also kind of missed uh, that they came out like the beginning of the month. But if anyone's familiar with Channel 5 on YouTube, um, it's like a YouTube channel where Andrew Callahan and his crew um, like go around to different like niche subcultures and like radical like protests and stuff like that like they've gone to like white lives matter rallies and stuff like that but also just like music festivals 
um, and just like kind of like looking at America's underbelly. And so Andrew Callahan is teaming up with HBO and A24 uh, for a new documentary called This Place Rules that's going to come out uh, on December 30th. And it's going to detail um, the events leading up to the January 6th riot. Um, and I think that's that's pretty interesting. I, I wanted to bring it up just because I, I know that like, like I watch Channel 5 and I know that that's like a big, uh, it's it's like a very growing and like like surprisingly well-respected journalistic channel considering how goofy it is a lot of the time um but yeah i'm I'm interested to see this it's a missed opportunity not to release seven days later on january 6th oh you know (laughs) they could they could do that yeah but uh, for those who don't recognize the name uh, you said andrew callahan right yeah he's the guy who goes to those like alt-right um rallies and he has curly hair and he asks them questions and just kind of lets them talk yeah. and say like the most random shit and he doesn't react or or like his reactions are pretty minimal and he's like oh okay yeah. sure yeah and he just lets them like say whatever the most random shit they have to say um but yeah i i also watched the trailer and it, it does look very interesting and so i i think i will also check that out um yeah. we got a nine minute behind the scenes look at mission impossible oh Seven yeah Dead Rising part one yeah. uh, of, of the lead up to Tom Cruise's big death defying stunt where he drives a motorcycle off a cliff. Yeah. I have to say, I'm more excited than ever. Yeah, it looks sick. Like, I Dude, mean, it like, gets your heart pumping. Man, if I could sure. choose one franchise to never end, it would be Mission Impossible. <laughs> like, those, the last three movies have been some of my favorite action movies I've ever seen. I get oh, yeah, so they're, excited they're for them every single time. And, do, and the fact that. When I when I first saw the sequence, my first reaction is, surely this has been done before. But then, <laughs> actually, this is like the first time ever that this has been done practically, you know, with the actual actor as a stuntman. Yeah, but it's like, motors. I I like I was like, oh, that's that feels like it's not as crazy as stuff they do until it gets to the point of the video where he's doing it, and it's like, oh my god. That's crazy. <laughs> I just yeah. really appreciate them explaining it. I feel like, you know, yeah. if you just watch the stun itself, it's like, wow, that's cool. But then you think about and like you actually witness all the effort that goes into the background to make this happen and you're just like, that is crazy. The like the logistics with the math and stuff, that was the most crazy thing. Like how they have to figure out like, okay, if the breeze is like two meters per hour to the left like oh yeah absolutely and the fact that after all that they still need to make sure that it looks good on camera you know yeah Yeah. not only he needs to land this he also needs to look good yeah Yeah. i was all i was thinking about like being like the drone operator would be so stressful for that like what if you just if you just miss the shot like, if you just, just like, yeah. can we just do that one more time? No, you. If you fuck up the drone shot, you could kill Tom Cruise. So yeah. like, don't do that. That would be less than ideal. Yeah. Um, and the craziest thing is, not only like does he do that once, he did that six times. Six times, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, crazy. I just crazy. that's insane. And um, and I saw this one Twitter comment that absolutely cracked me up. Um, it it was like, uh, when Tom Cruise and Nolan collaborate, it will be the death of both of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did see that. Um, Ethan, did you see the um, the the behind the scenes teaser? I did, I did, and I I, I can't help but thinking um, this is the start of my uh, of my intro into my Michael Bay agenda. But uh, I think <laughs> I think that Michael Bay 
would do a really good job with one of these movies. I think that <laughs> if any of you have seen Ambulance, then you will know that he is he is elevated <laughs> to a new plateau <laughs> of of filmmaking. And genuinely, like I'm, I'm no word of a line, zero irony in this. I will be the first one in line if Michael Bay ever does one of these movies. Because I think the what he could do in drones with Tom Cruise driving off of a cliff would push cinema forward at least 30 to 40 years. Dude, I, uh, I still can't tell if you're joking or not. No, I am dead serious, man. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. No, no, <laughs> no for me. But I'd be interested to see it. It would, it would be something. Um, I think they would both like just bond very quickly over explosions and stuff like that. But yeah. Um, last bit of news. Uh, we we did thankfully debunk this as fake before we started, but <laughs> there was a, a what we what we realized was a uh, an advertisement for Glass Onion on Zillow advertise like trying to fake sell the the mansion that's where the the movie is set and it's it's quite funny to look at so the the thing is is listed at 450 million dollars um and it has like the glass onion on top of it and everything uh type is listed as extravagant island commune um there's, there's it talks about central heating and stuff but like it doesn't actually say anything that would like uh, that plays into the movie um i like that on parking it says one rooftop parking space <laughs> which is a thing in the movie um and then yeah it just goes on and lots of lots of pictures from the movie but uh none of the cast are in there so that was funny um but that ends our news segment. So I'm going to get into our like classic segment of talking about what movie we're watching. So we watched a couple of weeks ago, uh, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Uh, it's written, directed by uh, one Ryan Johnson, stars Daniel Craig, Edward Norton, Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, Madeline Klein, Kate Hudson, and Dave Bautista in this on- stacked ensemble cast. Uh, the DP was Steve Yedlin. Uh, it's a runtime of two hours and 19 minutes, a budget of $40 million. And a little fun fact is that back in 2021, Netflix bought the rights to the Knives Out franchise sequels, what have you, for a whopping $469 million, which is a hefty amount. Uh, before we get into our reactions for the movie, we have a little game we play. Oh, we sure uh, do. It's called Predacritic. And basically, there's a website on the internet called Metacritic, where critics' uh, reviews and scores of a movie are averaged out uh, for an average score out of 100. If it gets 60 or above, it's green. If it's 80 or above, it's must-see. If it's in the 50s, it's yellow. And if it's in the 40s or below, it's red. So we are going to guess where Glass Onion lands. Uh, And actually, I've been thinking we should do this differently because every week i'm like okay who should go first based on like trying to like game the system like you have an order for your nose yeah i'm just gonna do a random number of generator oh okay oh okay or wait wheel of names should we implement a guest goes last policy just because it's makes it easier um 
Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. We can do yeah, guess yeah, goes yeah, last. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have. I actually have a, a, a proper wheel spinner that has people's names nice. on it now. Uh, this is great. It's called wheelofnames.com. Shout out. Uh, we will hey, chill out. out for a we, are, we will be accepting sponsors. Yo, are they yes. sponsoring this? Sponsor wheelofnames.com. So I'm going to spin the wheel to see who goes first for this uh, game. Oh, this is so fun. Oh, 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 oh. You can't see anything. Oh, oh yeah. And it's Very fun Aiden. for the audience. Oh, yeah. It's also a visual medium, you're right. So the yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, I think that critics generally liked this movie, but I think they generally liked it less than the first one. If 80 and above is must see, I'm wondering, I'm kind of thinking like high 70s, like maybe in the 70 range, because I'm also thinking like it, it might have been like low 80s but i don't know i've i feel like i've been guessing too high recently so i'm gonna go 75 i'm gonna okay, go with 75 well how do i do this you gotta yeah, take his name out, out. <laughs> i'm gonna figure out that website later but it just started applauding in my ears so it was weird <laughs> um next off is oh, oh. peter oh um I'm gonna go with the mid seventy-five. <laughs> That's what I guessed. That's the exact number. Wait, wait, that was your guess. I thought you guessed yeah. the high seventy. No, that's not a number. This, this, proves, this proves that my theory that Peter has selected hearing, and he only listens like. 50% of the time and he misses like vital information like you can go back to our podcast and we'll say things and then like he'll ask questions immediately after being like wait what'd you say okay that's so funny 75 has already been guessed okay um I will spice it up now I'll say 78 78 okay uh I guess that means by default I'll go next <sighs> Fuck, 75 78 I feel like I'm just in agreement. Like, I don't know if I can, I don't think I can get out of this one winning, but I think I can get out of it. 77.5. I'm just going to try not to lose. So I'm going to go with 76. I'm not on either extreme. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, Ethan, what do you think? Well, uh, I'm not going to lie. I was also going to say 75. So, um, (laughs) but I've been, Mm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 79. I'm gonna roll Ooh. the dice. Ooh. I'm roll the dice. Well, no, I'm safe. Uh, Let's go. Now this is interesting. <laughs> uh, rolling the dice paid uh, paid off hand- handsomely. Uh, it got an 81. But I used to be good at this game. What happened? <laughs> the tides of uh, luck have changed on Aiden. Um, so as as the winner, <sighs> two minutes. <laughs> this is great. That it sucks out because there's actually a punishment for losing. <laughs> so it it actually sucks to lose. <laughs> um, so as as the winner, Ethan, you get to either go first for the non spoiler reaction, or you can choose someone else to go first. Uh, um, okay, this is not with the synopsis, though, right? This is no the synopsis no. later. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go first for the reaction. Sure. 
All right. What'd you think of this movie? Um, okay, well, I'll, uh, I'll just preface this by saying I had not seen the first one when I went to go see the second one. So I went in, um, kind of just expecting an okay, a pretty good movie. Uh, and I would say that that's pretty much exactly what I got. I think that, um, I really, I really did not expect, um, like the most thrilling cerebral, like 3d chess puzzle of all time going into this. So I was not disappointed. Um, I thought it was pretty fun. I don't know. I thought there was some, there was a couple jokes that were definitely pretty, um, pretty what are those in black panther <laughs> yeah um, no, I get that, but yeah. uh <laughs> but uh i don't know i thought i thought it was i thought it was pretty good and I, I watched it again last night um on um like one two three i was gonna say and i was i was interrupted every 15 minutes by a five minute long ad for a company called one x bet that I think only functions <laughs> in the Middle East. Um, <laughs> so, but I watched it a second time, and I still thought it was it was. I was less impressed than the second time, but I the second time I um, or I was less impressed than the first time, but um, I still thought it was pretty good. And um, yeah, I don't know. I thought was it was, that's about it. That's about it as much as I can good. say as a, <laughs> as yeah. a non-spoiler uh, reaction. Okay, if you had to give it a, a star rating out of five, what would you give it? Five is a little tough. If it was ten, I would say that's a that's a mean seven. But I don't think it's a three point five movie. Three point five out of five. That is. That's very interesting um, because those are equivalent. So. I know, but it's I guess the scale is definitely. Oh, you think the scale? I think changes? I think the vibe. I think the vibe of those two ratings is different. Sure. But I I I would say it's like a if I have to go by letterbox terms, I'd say it's a four. Okay. So and would you recommend it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would recommend it. <laughs> I would say it exactly like that, though. I would say, yeah, I would go see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah. That, I think I was doing that with Avatar, actually. Like, people were like, should I go see Avatar? And I was like, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, well you might. <laughs> Getting into falsetto there. Um, Ethan, who should go next for their non-spoiler reaction? Um... How about Peter? Peter, you can go next. Okay. So I loved the first one, like a lot of people. And uh, even though in this one we don't get Chris Evans's amazing sweater, we get um, we get fucking. I don't even know what's like the staple of this movie. The, the glass the, onion, like the like the the style no, wise, this, like fashion wise, swimsuit, the ascots. Oh, oh yeah. yes, yes, and the ascot, but do, the Among Us skin. Do you remember Benoit Blanc's? Dude, I was gonna save Us that for for where we actually talk about the movie, but <laughs> that's a spoiler, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's sort a of a spoiler. spoiler. You just spoiled yeah. the movie. <laughs> I, just, I just said he is an Among Us skin. That means nothing. That's so not a... I, I think I think this movie did a very good job preserving like the the soul of the first one, where like a story is sort of told to you twice. From different perspective, uh, both uh, it, in the first time, despite it's like missing crucial information that will solve the mystery, it doesn't feel like the story is anything less. If if you if you if you guys get what I mean, like uh, the story is still complete, yeah. like it makes sense. But then when it's told the second time, you're like, ah, so that's how that came to be. And okay. I think Ryan Johnson did it again with this one. It's 
exactly like the first Knives Out that uh, sort of like the as the chapters progresses, it turned from like a whodunit movie to like an even bigger mystery. And they he did it in a way that it makes sense uh, plot wise and also like another brilliant twist in how this one unfolds as well. So if you like the first one, I'll say definitely go watch this one. You would love it. And like for general audience, I think Netflix did like one of these rare, it's like occasional, like very rare Netflix W when it comes to acquiring new properties. Uh, like we see like Witcher yeah. sort of flopping, you know, like all these like Wheel of Time. No, I think that's Amazon actually. But like Netflix's recent acquisition haven't been the best. And I think this one really paid off. Like it's just a very entertaining movie suitable for like basically people in all age group. Um, and like the fact that Netflix is releasing it at the time of Christmas just tells us that they know what they're doing. <laughs> so four and a half out of five for me, I think really? like uh, it's, it's not perfect for sure, but it is wildly entertaining and I had a great time in the cinema. So four and a half out of five. Cool. Cool. Uh, let's hear from Aiden. What did you think? Uh, yeah. So I, uh, had also watched the first one prior to this and I liked the first one, but I wasn't as, uh, like quite as impressed by it as other people were, but I, I always thought that it was like a really fun, good movie. It's like, I, I love seeing that kind of movie. And I thought it was really fun. Uh, yeah, going to this one, I think that, um, it didn't quite like, it wasn't quite as good as the first one. And I, I think that, I think the first one works better for me. I have some problems with like the way the story unfolds. I agree with Peter that I like the way Ryan Johnson does it, where it's like you, it like goes back on the story and you learn different details and like you see a different angle of things. And I think that's cool, but I just wish that there was, I wish that certain things were set up a little bit differently, I guess. Um, but I, I think Daniel Craig is really fun in these movies. I think they're really fun to watch. Uh, I think it's like, yeah, I, I think like it works as just like a really fun movie. And I think I gave this um, like four stars on Letterboxd. I might in in my head now, like thinking about it more, it might be three and a half, but uh, I, I'll, I'll go with four stars for now. And I, I'd say, yeah, I'll recommend this to anyone because I think I think just about anyone could have a good time watching this. Cool. Yeah, um, we did watch it together. And I feel like, again, like our yeah. <laughs> reactions are kind of synced up just because of that. Yeah. Um, I, I rewatched Knives Out for the first time in a couple of years, actually last night, just to prepare for this episode. And I it it occurred to me like that having seen it before and I think twice before, I could not get that same level of like suspense and stuff like that. So like that's that's never gonna come back and that was unfortunate. But nonetheless, like I still love that movie. It's very clever it's funny it's i didn't remember every single part of the mystery so there was still like a bit of intrigue there um and yeah just watching that one again uh really reminded me of all the things that i didn't care for in this uh sequel to it um i found that knives out is constantly peeling back layers where glass onion kind of like with the name doesn't really have layers it's you can see the center the whole time and it doesn't really do anything with it um you've both mentioned that we go through the events of the story twice with different perspectives and i actually really didn't like that i found that really annoying and um instead of kind of like you know putting out plot points and allowing the audience to 
try and figure it out along with Benoit. It's very much like the audience is being told what's happening. And even then, like I didn't fully follow along for some of it because it's just so much information in very quick succession. So I got, I got quite annoyed at that. Um, the cast is great though. Um, great ensemble cast again. Uh, the comedy is sillier and I, you know, I, I found it funny and it's like, it's like a good time. Glass Onion is a good time, but I just, I, I've lost that, um, intellectual, like joy I got from Knives Out in this one. I just found the comedy was a little bit cheaper. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think, I think the commentary is good and I, you know, I like all the points Ryan Johnson's trying to make. It's just, I don't think this one is quite as fully thought out or intelligent as its predecessor. So I was, I was left a little disappointed, but I had a great time in theaters. So I would give it a four out of five and I definitely would recommend it to people. I think people would really get something out of this, even if it's not in, this, uh, in the same vein as it's, uh, uh, as the, uh, Knives Out original. Um, so now that we're done with our uh, non-spoiler reactions, it's it's about that time. Yeah, dude, I actually like. I don't know if I can do this. I'll try my best, but it's I been a while. <laughs> I don't remember the plot like well enough to give. This is gonna be very general. Yeah, we we can help. Yeah. We can help because I I couldn't possibly tell you help. some of the specific <laughs> details. Okay, okay so, so this is a game uh, where it tries to uh, summarize the movie in two minutes for those who have not seen. The movie, so that means Aiden, it's uh, it's spoiler time. Okay. Pew, 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 pew. Spoiler. Yep. Okay. Thank you. So here we go. Three, two, one. Let's go. Okay. Uh, fuck. Okay. Uh, rich guy. Uh, <laughs> rich guy. Edward Norton. Edward Norton is on an island and he's hosting like a murder mystery and he sends invitations out to all his friends and his friends are like solving a puzzle and they're like various guys. One of them's like a fitness influencer, like kind of Andrew Tate in the same vein, like that kind of thing. And then uh, one of them's like a uh, dumb or something i don't know okay but there are a bunch of them and then uh one of the people that gets an invite is benoit blanc but then benoit blanc shows up to the part to the port where they go down the boat to go to the island and everyone's like why are you here and then so then they go to the island and uh yep uh but okay so there's also janelle monet's character who everyone is also surprised to see there because um edward norton had ousted her out of the company that they had built together uh, that made him super rich. And so we're going to the island, and then turns out Ed Norton is also surprised. He doesn't know why Benoit Blanc is here. Um, and so there's a little bit of mystery there. But then as as we go on, uh, fucking, uh, the, the we see, learn more about the characters and stuff, and then there's like a dinner, One and minute. Benoit Blanc solves the mystery that uh, Ed Norton had set up for everyone like that, like instantly. Um, and then, uh, but then someone actually, someone actually dies and I don't remember who, I think it's Dave Bautista, but <laughs> Dave Bautista actually dies. Um, and then we kind of go through this thing where it's revealed that, um, the Janelle Monet is not Janelle Monet. She's in fact, Janelle Monet's twin sister, <laughs> um, because Alan. the original Janelle Monet died. Uh, and so they, Benoit Blanc and the twin sister hatched this plan 30. to like, to, I think, I don't know, either get back at them or discover who killed the sister. I don't remember. Um, and so then, <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, cool. Uh, and then, uh, uh, so then there's also this, like, hydrogen clean energy thing that Edward Norton is trying to um, uh, start. And then, oh, yeah, and then uh, Janelle Monet gets Ten shot seconds. or something. And then yeah. uh, she, like, bl- blows up the island at the end. <laughs> who was then, it? Uh, J- 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 Edward Norton was the killer. Ed Norton was the killer. 
Okay, Everyone there you go. Yeah. <laughs> that was real. Uh, um, what did you miss? Actually, no, including okay. the bit of the... You actually like kind of very quickly got all the points out at the end. Um, oh, there's like the whole plot about... Um, basically, what's her real name? Helen's sister created the idea for their company. Cassandra. Cassandra, thank you. And... Um, and there was like a lawsuit over who actually owned the rights to the company because of the clean energy thing. She didn't, she didn't trust it and it was going to, you know, blow up people's oh, right, homes. Yeah. And so to win control of the company, uh, Edward Norton's character used all of their f- shared friends to testify against her. Um, right. So then he, she finds the napkin that proves she had the idea he kills her and takes the napkin but doesn't destroy it for some reason um and then at the end he does destroy the napkin when helen finds it in the glass onion and she's like okay but you guys will testify the truth this time right they say no and then they blow up the house and then they're like psych actually we will testify against you uh against the edward norton so yay yeah. Um, are we missing anything? I think that's it. I it's crazy how I missed like all of the details of the actual murder that takes place. Yeah, and also <laughs> uh, Dave Batista has a pineapple allergy, and he died from pineapple juice. Right. Oh, Edward and... Edward Norton killed him. Why did Ed Norton juice. kill him again? Because he knew he was... Ed, Edward Norton was a killer. Oh right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he saw he pie. saw Ed Norton leave the house when he had gone to visit. Uh, yeah. Genoma there. Yeah, right. and he, he was going to blackmail him to become like a alt-right news person or yeah, something who, who, on Alpha News. Wh- wh- yeah. What's the company? Alpha? Alpha. Okay. Because it sounds it. like Tesla. Right. Okay. All right. So now we're going to get back into our spoiler discussion. So first off, we have a, a point from our guest, Ethan. Expectation versus reality. What are these Knives Out and Glass Onion movies all about? Well, I think um, I've heard from a lot of people that think that particularly the first Knives Out um, and to a lesser extent, the second one, um, that these movies are are really like, like really, really like, like cerebral and, and like, like all time classic whodunits and like, like the modern, like not the modern day Chinatown because they're different types of movies, but like on that sort of level of quality of movie. And I think a lot of people that don't like the second one, from what I it seems to me, that really like the first one, I think their expectations are just way out of whack with what Knives Out actually is, which I think is just a fun whodunit series. Uh, and I don't think it's like a all-time great. I don't think they should be nominated for any awards, really. I think they're just kind of fun. Like yeah. <laughs> They're just kind of fun. I um and I, I did think it was fun, and I think they are successful with that. But I just think if you're going into it expecting... Like, I had one guy say that uh, after watching Rashomon, I should watch Knives Out. And, like, <laughs> and I was just like, you guys are delusional. Like, there's not, this is not... These, these movies are not that good. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Who they're was pretty, that? Was, they're pretty good. Was that someone I know? It was someone you know. Okay, I <laughs> and I just um, that's I just to me I just want I just want to make it loud and clear that Rashomon is much better than either. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Okay, but I, I just want to clarify. So you haven't seen Knives at One, though? I have, actually. I watched it after I watched number two. And oh, okay. Um, okay. I'm not so going to lie. I was, I, was, um, I was pretty underwhelmed with the first one as well. I thought, well, not underwhelmed, but I just, I had been told that it was the spiritual Rashomon sequel of Rashomon. <laughs> and then I was, just, I was just like, this is okay. It's okay. I don't know. It's a fun movie. It's like the second one. It, I, left a, I left it thinking, yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of have a I have a similar take where like I when as soon as I saw the first one, I definitely didn't feel as strongly about it as the other ones. Like I was like, this is definitely enjoyable and I like a lot of what's going on here. And I think that there are a lot of really clever points, but like yeah, I don't know. Like I, I never felt like it was like the like this fantastic, amazing cinematic experience either. I don't yeah, I don't I think <laughs> suggesting it after Rashomon is a weird take <laughs> personally like having seen both movies well, I actually prefer Knives Out just as an experience um I think you know cinematically Rashomon is probably better at a technical level um but I mean I I do honestly believe that Knives Out is quite the achievement in and like I think if you collected I don't know the best 100 movies of the 2000s maybe at, le- at the very least of the 2010s i think i think it deserves being on the top 100 absolutely um, i agree where whereas i just something's different about glass onion where it does really slip into the comedy of it like like knives out is a, a comedy murder mystery and i think people who forget that its main intent is to like make you laugh basically and like spoof off of um i wouldn't maybe not spoof but um you know it's it's not supposed to be super clever you know watching it again i was like yeah some of these things don't really make sense like benoit blanc in the first one is like slight spoilers he's like you know you you you, thanks you switched out the vials right you you use the wrong vial and that's because you have a good heart and you're a good nurse. And it's like, no, a good nurse would read the fucking label before they delivered morphine or something, you know, not deadly. So there's holes to be poked for sure. When you say it's an achievement, do you mean, are you talking about writing mostly? Yeah. Okay. Maybe, Maybe not an achievement. Like, I don't think it's, you know, there's nothing. It doesn't, it's not going to be on sight and sound. Sure. in the future right like it's not it's not something that's going to be remembered a hundred years from now but i do think it's just it's a great movie and it's one of my you know top 100 favorite movies maybe top okay. 50 like i i, I personally really lo- enjoy the first one whereas i don't think the second one hits that mark well i think it's the it's the fact that ryan johnson innovated the the, the genre like it's not just a typical detective mystery Sorry, what he innovated the genre. What genre did he innovate? Well, I watched this uh, video essay on Knives Out, actually, and I think it tells it like it. It actually explains the point really well. He said Knives Out is not just a whodunit murder mystery. It's actually three different films. One, like it starts off with a murder mystery, and then it is sort of as I think it was talking about. Like um, uh, I think Benoit does a coin flip in in the first movie quite often yes. and that and oftentimes that correlates to when the movie switched genre because like in the mid in the middle of the movie it's a chase sequence and then in the end it's like clever deduction again so it's 
it sort of incorporates the best of several different genres and then puts it all in one film. I think, and he explains that's why you think this movie is so entertaining. It's because you're not getting the best of one genre, getting the best from three different genres. And I think that's super smart. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I can see, I can see that. Um, It is still just like a murder mystery comedy, which is not a genre that he invented. I mean, most famously clue from what, oh no! I'm I'm thinking it's more as a innovation instead of like an invention. It's like he elevated the genre. He didn't invent it for sure. I I will say though, I agree with you, Alex. That like I did definitely feel like there was more going on and perhaps a more concise and like and clever story for the first one than the Glass Onion. Um, and I do think that the Glass Onion also does lean into the goofiness a little bit more. Um, well, let's yeah. talk about that, actually. That's yeah. one of our points. Um, I I think that, yeah, the comedy of Knives Out is very much like we- very well-written dialogue. Mm. And sometimes it's more like um, situational comedy, where I think a lot of the humor in Glass Onion is more very quick visual gags, um, which I think, you know, it's... It's still a valid form of comedy, but it's not quite as intellectual. It's a little bit cheaper, a little bit lower brow, I think. Um, you know, definitely easier for more general audiences. So maybe that was the appeal in trying to expand the Knives Out audience. Mm. Um, but like there's that one shot that Aiden can attest. I found very funny in theaters where Benoit Blanc hides from somebody using a statue and it's his head is covered like the butt crack of the statue yeah and i just found like i found that hilarious oh yeah yeah, there's a there's a butt on screen right like that's that's kind of the level of humor in this and while it is certainly funny it's not quite as clever yeah well and also i think like if you compare it with the first one the first one's humor is a lot more contained than this one in my opinion like you, for example, the most famous joke in the first one is the donut hole. Like, there's a donut in the donut hole, so there's a, another donut hole. Like, you you laugh about it at the moment, but it, it doesn't really slow down the story at all. But sometimes in this movie, they sacrifice the pace for comedy quite often, actually. What do you mean? So, like, they do comedic moment for the sake of comedy, not for the sake of progressing the story. I think that's a great point, actually. It reminds me of, um, well, okay, it, it leans a little bit into the, the point about cameos, but there's that one cameo where they're in the gym and Serena Williams is on the wall, and it's yeah. like, she's... It it's like, I'm like getting paid the, here, you know? I'm, yeah, I'm on the clock. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Peter. <laughs> so it's, it's a moving poster of Serena Williams, and it's a picture, and then it's revealed that, yes, it's actually a live video feed. And so she's like, yeah, I'm getting paid by the hour. Do you want to do this tennis lesson or not? Thanks for ruining the joke, Peter. <laughs> My bad, um, bro. <laughs> you can yeah, edit like, it. You can edit it. Use your like edit that, <laughs> Sure. That moment is, it does halt the plot. I think you're exactly right. That's part of what maybe I don't like about it. Um, and some of the, I think some of the better jokes play into the plot. So one of my favorite lines is, um, basically everyone has a reason to, I think it's part of trying to figure out who would have a motive to kill, to um, kill Edward, Edward Norton or something. Yeah, yeah, and they all kind of do. Yeah, and so the thing about Kate Hudson's character 
is that she ran sweatshops in but like, she actually don't you tell so joke. It's, it's sweatshops somewhere and she got confused in the email she thought sweatshops were places where sweats <laughs> get manufactured <laughs> literal sweat <laughs> shops yeah. which i found so yeah, funny like, oh it's, that's perfect <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's witty dialogue it's um, it plays into the plot, right? Like, I think, I think those jokes yeah. just work better. Yeah. Now that you say that, I do remember like the, in lives out, there was a lot of something is said or something happens that you kind of dismiss and then it comes back later and you don't realize that it's going to. And I think there's a lot less of that in this where there is just like a throwaway gag and it's, it is just a gag and it's not something that is referred to again. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm trying to think like another line um from knives up that i really like is uh, oh, how does he say it? it's it's um wait is it ransom the the uh... well, it's talking to ransom when he goes each it each it each yes. it each it and then there's the line that um zod whatever his name is i can't think of michael shannon, michael shannon. and he's like do you want a cookie hugh <laughs> right like he's shaking the cookie box at ransom oh i just i love that movie so much um, what else did you guys find funny from this movie, Glass Onion? Do so many things, man. I, I, okay, first, can we talk about Among Us? Sure, I guess. Sure, let's go and do okay, Among first Us. First of all, people are fucking obsessed with this joke. It's dude, not that funny. Bad fucking Daniel Craig, like, like a classy British gentleman, is shirtless in the tub playing Among Us on his laptop. It's some of the best comedy we've got this year. It's he's so not, funny. He's not and he's British playing with a bunch of old people and screams like, oh my god, how did you know I was a killer? How, oh my god, I fucking love that. That scene was so fucking stupid. It's so <laughs> good. It's silly. It's silly. I'm not saying it's not. But it's so fucking... It's peak. It's peak that was, that was the scene where I strapped in and I recognized exactly what the movie was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Like, that, like this would have never appeared in the first one. Like, yeah, we never exactly. would have had this gag. And like, and I was like, okay, this, that's what this no, was going to Dude, the fact that he wrote this and Daniel Craig agreed to act it is it's just amazing i was la- like and you can attest this alex i was laughing my ass off when that happened i thought that was so <laughs> funny yeah but yeah. i i also agree that it's dumb and probably should absolutely be movie, it's really but I silly think it's really funny yeah but it's so funny <laughs> so okay so for those who didn't who didn't see the movie yet uh you should but the among us scene basically they're playing Ben Will Blanc is playing Among Us in the Bath. And he's on a Zoom call with with Angela Lansbury in her probably last role, post posthumous role. Um, Stephen Sondheim in his last and posthumous role. Natasha Leon Leone of um, Russian Doll fame, and Kareem Abdul Jabbar <laughs> is in that role and also in Airplane. And. He's in there. Okay, yeah. I I don't know what you're talking about. It's the movie. And it's a movie. Yeah, he's the pilot. He's the pilot in the airplane. Oh, in airplane. Yeah. Oh yes. Okay, I do know that. <laughs> he's is. also yes, been right. on an airplane before. <laughs> I thought you said he was an airplane. And I'm like, is that, is that a joke? Like, sure, I guess. Um, but yeah, exactly. so I think yeah, basically the Among Us scene is a really good encapsulation of the kind of comedy this goes for. Um, and the like, the cameos just really do not stop after that point. Um, I have a list in front of me of all of them. So Yo 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 Ma, because I don't remember a lot of them. Yeah, yeah Yo Yo Ma, the wait, chalice. Can I can I, uh, yeah. can I make 
pose a, a cameo that I I was very curious about that I, they, I feel like they never revealed because I didn't wait for the credits. Let's hear it. Uh, is Ethan Hawke the guy that does the yeah the COVID thing? That was so weird. <laughs> yeah, no, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually sad because I I would want him to be in the movie as an actual role. He's he's such a good actor. Um, Right. Okay. I just wanted to see what his name is. He's credited as efficient man. <laughs> efficient man. Wow. Because he wants yeah. to get the COVID thing done quickly. He's efficient. That was another thing where I was like, oh, okay, he's going to come back and be someone. And I had that in my head for like 25 minutes, but I was like, oh no, there's no way. That's not <laughs> <laughs> I thought the COVID spray has something to, yeah. do, like, has something yeah. to do with the actual mystery. No, like that was... yeah. I don't know if I realized realized it at the time, but it's pretty clear that it does two things. It means, although we want the movie to be set during COVID times, we don't actually want to have to deal with that, yeah. right? So then very quickly, we're like, oh, COVID's not a problem. Take your masks off, right? Which is kind of fucking stupid, but I guess it was filmed in 2021. So it was kind of like COVID was more of a thing, I guess. And the other yeah, thing- COVID's not real anymore. No. Yeah, just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is it does- um, it introduces the fact that uh, Dave Bautista is allergic to pineapple. Right, right. Does right, deliver right. the line during that moment. So that's that's the point of the scene. But yeah, yeah it, but is, it what, is quite silly. To expand on my point from earlier, like, I feel like in the first one, you would have picked up like, okay, you established the pineapple allergy, you do the COVID thing, but there would have also been something else in that that would have come back oh, and, you maybe, yeah. have, and you wouldn't have, re- like, I don't know. Like, I've, yeah, this it felt more throwaway. I've already yeah. said that, but yeah. But I, I think at least the Ethan Hawke cameo was one that, like, that was a, a respectable cameo. It wasn't <laughs> stupid, you know? Like, that was like, here's a famous actor seriously playing, like, a real role, you know, even though it's short. And so I, I, I like that one. Sure. Um, there's also Hugh Grant plays Benoit Blanc's uh, partner or husband. I'm not sure if they, they specify, but uh, I like that. I like that joke. That was pretty funny. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt who um, has worked with Ryan Johnson at least once in the past with one of his earlier movies, Oprah. Brick. Um, he was apparently a police officer in the first movie, Knives Out, in a cameo role. And in this movie, he plays the hourly dong, the voice of the clock. That's that so funny. Dong. I didn't know that. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, Ryan Johnson also did Looper, right? Which is Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He did, yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. thank you. I, I, knew there, I knew there must have been more collaborations, yeah. Um, I guess the only other cameos are Jared Leto is name dropped uh, for his kombucha brand and Jeremy oh, yes. Renner as well for his hot sauce. Hot sauce. Is that real? Does he actually have a hot sauce line? I don't think so. That's, I should have brought up the, the Jeremy Renner app. Yeah, that would have been, been delicious. But I think those are more of the lowbrow, like just like a name drop. That's what we're stooping to. Yeah. It's funny, yeah. but it's definitely not clever ethan what did you think about the comedy um i think the cameos are pretty dumb like when i saw kareem abdul jabbar when they were playing zoom or playing among us in the zoom i was like oh that's really stupid but i think <laughs> i usually i usually i have like a tolerance of about two of those that i can take before i can like not enjoy the movie anymore and i i i don't think they really pushed me past like the two unforgivable <laughs> jokes i think i was i was still in the range of being like yeah yeah this is okay um 
like for yeah like i mentioned it earlier like when in black panther one when when yeah. what's your face says what are those that right. was so that was such an unforgivable joke that i almost couldn't watch the movie anymore <laughs> and i didn't think there's anything that bad in this one <laughs> but um yeah i don't, I don't know i def i agree with what you guys are saying i definitely don't think it was overly clever most of it um yeah, I don't know. Well, you guys have pretty much said what I was thinking on it. I think it's, yeah, it's like a lot of like zingers, like one line yeah. zinger type comedy. I love zingers. Well, also, um, I think um, Johnson is very good at doing physical humor. Um, <clears throat> like that one scene with the hot sauce, you know, like the fake blood, but it's hot sauce and just slowly rolling down. Um, what's the actress' like, name? I forgot. Janelle Monet. Yeah. So we rolling down her face. I think that scene's well done. Everyone in my theater laughed, so yeah. I, I don't remember that one. She's so basically she puts it on herself to, you know, appear dead right. and then right. it slowly rolls a droplet of the hot sauce. Oh, into her nose and yes. maybe also her eye. No, her nose, I think. In her right. nose, and then she has to pretend to play dead. Oh. But like that like didn't amount to anything. So I was kinda yeah. like, okay, and I, I will say though, now that I'm thinking about it, I thought there were a couple jokes that were that were pretty hysterical, particularly with um, Kate Kate Hudson. Oh, she's so funny, yeah. Um, her character, like the the one, um, all the stuff about her, why she's been canceled on Twitter, like the one about she's like there, she's yes. like it was a tribute to Beyonce, and no one understood. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I thought that was really funny, and I thought I can't remember all of them, but I, I did think there were several jokes like that that were really funny. Um, and um, when I, I, I do remember when I watched the movie for the first time, I left the movie theater thinking generally it was still pretty funny. So it's, it's certainly funny. Yeah. I, I think it's just like what kind of humor they're going for is, I don't know whether it fits the brand or not. Um, but you bring up a good point with the Black Panther, what are those bit and with the Among Us, I think that just points out that maybe what's not quite as funny is pointing out meme culture and yeah it moves too fast it moves far too fast to ever be included in a movie exactly so you know you 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 know from writing stage to filming stage to by the time it gets released it's not funny anymore it's exactly that it's it's old it's out of date already and um i think also just like you have to be on twitter to understand some of the jokes in this movie, which as someone who's like on Twitter, you know, great for me, but I think there's a chance that things like that might alienate audiences um, who aren't as familiar with internet culture. Not a problem for us, obviously, but um, yeah, internet humor just doesn't really translate to film anyways. Like it's something, it's weird, you know, Aiden? Yeah, I I was going to say like the only time that I feel like I've seen it done, uh, (laughs) that i think i've seen it done well where like internet culture is referenced was the movie eighth grade and that's because it was like it was like very specifically in an era of the internet and like like it wasn't yeah like it's part of the point and it wasn't trying to like it wasn't trying to catch up with a trend and be like look guys look like we know what it is it was just like yeah this was this was what like middle schoolers were thinking about in this era and i think like so i think you have to situate it within like a specific era like you could do it in the era where it's like everything's like yeah chuck norris and bacon and that would be hysterical yeah Yeah. i think that would be cool i think that's funny because like there's enough distance for those ones yeah 
Whereas like when you're trying to hop on a trend, but just slightly missing the train instead of you yeah. know looking back 10 years and being like, yeah, Chuck Norris was a big thing back yeah. then. And then you can do kind of like a retrospective. It becomes like timeless when you can just look back yeah. and ironically appreciate it a little bit. So I, I yeah. think that that's the mode for that. I think that's true. And kind of in a similar vein, I think that the movie's handling of COVID is also similarly not perfect in that just like the meme culture and like trying to include that into film, incorporating COVID makes it, it dates the film. And even a year later when people, most people aren't wearing masks to theaters anymore, which usually I'll try to wear my mask after I'm done, you know, my popcorn, but um, it's like, you know, the characters are doing all the jokes about COVID and it's so old already, right? There's a joke where, um, Kate Hudson has the the mask that's not even a mask. It's just mm-hmm. a bunch of lines yeah. of like like thread. Um, other people, you know, have it just under their nose, so like their nose is out. Like that was funny last summer. Mm-hmm. It's not funny now because no one's wearing their masks anymore. Sure. Yeah, I didn't mind it because. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't mind it too much because I, I again like I felt like it was just like oh it's set at like this point in COVID. And I felt like, I felt like it wasn't lingering on the COVID jokes very much. Absolutely. I think it kind of, it, it, it kind of, it, it kind of knew that we weren't going to be like, that's like, that's like COVID. We, I know that one in real life. Um, and so like, yeah, I, I thought it did a good job. Like the, the mask gag you're talking about, if, unless I'm misremembering it, I don't even think they reference it with dialogue. I think it's just a shot of her no. like with it. And it's I think that's fine. Cause I think it also works with like. Uh, just like character development like it just tells you something about this person and I, I think it's it can be appreciated as just a detail of costume you know what I mean yeah it's and fair. also I feel like it's really like it's not healthy to get like too much into humor because humor is subjective like you're not meant to get all the jokes it's meant to like capture most of the audiences with this joke but you're not meant to get all the jokes anyway so like as long as you you know you get you had some fun out of it, I think it's done its part. It's achieved its purpose. That's fair, Ethan. What do you think uh, about the COVID? About the yeah. COVID? COVID. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I um, it it feels pretty strange watching COVID in 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 movies. But um, I yeah. one thing I was thinking to the benefit of the costume designers, I think you can kind of like what Aiden was saying, like, I think you can really like add some interesting color and texture and, and what have you to a character with their mask. Like I thought Daniel Craig has this really nice, like maroon mask with like white dots. And I know you guys won't remember, but I just watched it yesterday. <laughs> but, um, and I, I just, I, I pictured like that is the exact type of mask that like, like people working in like the fancy part of our downtown, like the exchange, I guess everyone that listens to this is in Winnipeg. So the exchange, uh, <laughs> that's what the kind of masks that they were wearing. And I just thought it was like, well, like clearly like, I mean, we already know who Benoit Blanc, Blanc is, but like, like the, just like those little things, like versus if he was wearing like a Punisher mask, like, right. you know, immediately, <laughs> like what type of person, it, or at least a little bit of what type of person it is based on like their mask. So. Yeah, what type of mask is Dave Bautista's character wearing? None. Or is it, he was not at all, right? I think, yeah, he's he's no mask. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, 
yeah, and Catherine Hahn is like a, a neutral gray one on, I think. Hers was the below the nose one. Right. And then and Leslie then, Odom, I think, was just wearing You know, oh, you know what? Speaking of the humor, I have I have to say this. And I don't know if they intended this. But Leslie yeah. Odom Jr.'s character was literally wearing like the Yankee with no brim. Minus, <laughs> minus the Yankee really? side. Yeah, like it's like a snapback hat. But it just has no brim. <laughs> and I thought if they if they if they did that on purpose, they never reference it. They never even or they never mention it. They just like let it happen. And if they meant to do that, I actually think that that's a perfect example of how that could be done well. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Like I, I was laughing for no reason throughout that whole scene. <laughs> That, sorry, I don't understand the reference. Yeah, I don't you know, the Yankee with no brim. What? No, I know exactly. I can, I know the costume he was wearing, but um, you don't know like the meme though. Like there was like a Is video. It... There was like a video going around of like this guy. I think in New York or something. Um, I have the video in front of me. Yeah, <laughs> and he <laughs> he's wearing like a custom Yankee hat with no brim on it. <laughs> it's a good short video. It's called Yankee with no brim. Shockingly. <laughs> 10 seconds on youtube yeah so so that that was um they won some points back with me they meant to do that they don't call attention to it i think it's just a costuming um, oh i was gonna ask ethan have you seen any movies where they do address covid that you liked how they did it um if you give me a second to look through my letterbox, I could find one. I just watched one not long ago that I thought sure. actually did um, a good job, but I can't this remember. Year, this year alone, Tar referenced COVID and also, 3,000 years, 3, years of Longing, yes, uh, referenced COVID pretty heavily in that one. Yeah, um, it might have been that one. I can't think of anything else. I think that's yeah, most that's, movies, that might be it. Most movies try to avoid it as much yeah. as they can. Um, Everything Everywhere didn't do it at all, right? I don't think. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Uh, good, good that yeah. they didn't. I think. Yeah, that would. Be um, anyways, if you find something, you can let us know. Um, yeah, I think it might have been three thousand years of longing, but I think yeah. I thought that um, I thought, however they did it, was was quite good. <laughs> that's, that's all I have to say on that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, we were kind of talking about the cast a little bit. Um, this ensemble cast, I mean, that's part of the appeal of these Knives Out movies is get a, a huge ensemble cast of great actors, comedic actors, and put them in rooms and see how they, you know, go off. Um, who would you say were your standouts in this uh, this movie? Well, Let's start if, with we, if we ignore Daniel, or I think not. Daniel Let's was great. <laughs> Peter, okay. let's start with our guest Ethan. You can, oh, Peter sorry. can go first, and then I'll I'll go after. He's already <laughs> he's already started excited. the train. The train. <laughs> okay. Gotta, um, I'll, I'll keep I'll keep it nice and short. So, um, I think Janelle Monet, absolute MVP. She like really? um, interesting. The fact that she's able to play two parts and sort of like one character, two different you know variants, so seamlessly absolute goaded and second place edward norton that's my ranking really two yeah. two variants one might say like two different among us skins oh my god yeah. what how does that even make sense just like that yeah. um uh, yeah no i janelle Monet, i think does a good job and edward norton 
no, I, I really liked Edward Norton. But uh, let's hear from Ethan. What do you think? Yeah, I thought I thought um, I, I I feel kind of weird about the whole ensemble casting because it's kind of it's just a little bit like Endgamey. I mean, I know it's a stretch as far back, much further back than Endgame, <laughs> okay. but like it's just like the same sort of thing when people are like, "Yo, I know them," and I feel yeah. like half of like what they're like it's almost like a marketing tool um, to have the ensemble cast more than it is like that much of a benefit to the movie in my opinion um but i, I think janelle when was great i think i thought she was really great i thought um daniel craig was great and you know one thing that i think is much better in the second knives out than the first one is daniel craig is a little bit more on the sidelines for large stretches of the first one and i thought he yes. is the best part of the series um and i thought he was he was good i thought he was very good in, in the second one uh, I thought Dave Bautista, and I thought Dave Bautista was—he really cracked me up. Um, and I—they I, just timed it so well with like the whole Andrew Tate stuff. Like, to, there's no way they like knew that was coming, but like they just got so lucky with that. And I thought Dave <laughs> yeah. Bautista like knocked that like shtick out of the park. Yeah, there's one of those guys that gets really popular like every few months. I feel so. Like, I do think it's like that was a moment of them having like their finger on the pulse like fairly well yeah no i love dave batista i think he's the best of the wrestler turned actors uh the others being john cena and the rock in that order of talent um but like every role batista has done actually sorry that's a huge lie i haven't seen so many of his movies that are like <laughs> trashy like stuber he did stuber <laughs> he did a movie was it something spy where he was yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. The, like the tooth the fairy kind of thing yeah. where he, he did the tooth fairy, like the Dwayne yeah. the Rock Johnson did the tooth fairy. He's got to do his version. That's something else. But um, even Jackie Chan did that actually with the spy next door. That's a movie I remember. Anyway, it's not digress. <laughs> um, but Dave Bautista has some really good roles under his belt. Um, you know, people don't like to give it credit, but his role as Drax is pretty solid. Um He's very good in Blade Runner 2049, yeah. I think, in the brief role. He is very good, like, character actor, small roles, I think. Mm -hmm. And that's, it stays true here. He doesn't make it through the movie. But <laughs> um, I I really like him and the work he's done. I think, yeah, I think he should keep doing that more arty stuff. But um, Well, yeah, he, he, he's, he's still in Dune. Sorry. He's still around. Oh, Dune, yes. Yeah, yes, that was the other one, yes. Like, he's in, like, real movies, yeah. whereas The Rock is doing Black Adam. Uh, well, no fake movies. <laughs> well, it seems like a fake movie, Peter, if I'm being perfectly frank with you. Um, sorry, Aiden, I took... <laughs> your um, it sure is. Um, Ethan, your comment about Endgame, though, is actually kind of interesting. Like, yeah, I feel like it is a bit of trying to appeal to audiences more so than like you know if you choose to cast unknowns you might get something different and interesting there but choosing to go for an all-star cast is part of the like the marketing appeal really mm -hmm. um so that is a fair point i think um who would you say is your mvp aiden um i really liked k hudson like we were uh already saying i thought Catherine hahn was really good too um, I also, th I, I mean, I like the whole cast. I mean, I'm just naming like most of the characters, but yeah, I mean, I liked, I liked the rock a lot. I liked Edward Norton. Um, the but, wait, I, the rock. 
like Dave Bautista. But no, actually, I think my goat, my uh, my MVP for this one was in fact uh, Daniel Craig. I agree, he was really fun in this movie. I mean, I think he's clearly having so much fun with oh, these sure, movies. Yeah. So yeah, I, and I think that bleeds through, and I think it was really fun to watch. No, I'm I'm very glad that this is a character we've decided to create a franchise around. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, Daniel Craig just, uh, he's he's very good at that oh, character. and I also, like, I remember feeling like in the Knives Out, I was like, man, like, I can't tell, is he supposed to be legitimately a good detective or not? Sometimes he's fucking stupid yeah, in the first yeah. one. Well, and, yeah. but, like, and so, and, and this one, I like that, like, oh, no, he's just, he's a great detective, and he's, like, very good at it. And I liked that that was a major part of this one. I thought, because I had the same question. I remember seeing a video that that's saying that Knives Out is fun because Daniel Craig doesn't solve everything right away. It's sort of him and this uh, Ana de Armas, uh, sorry, Ana de Armas' character, like two clueless people stuck together trying to figure it out. That's what makes the first one so entertaining. Benoit, Benoit Blanc is not stupid. He takes some time to arrived to gravity's rainbow that's what he, he says in the first one he says he he strolls leisurely to the <laughs> terminus of gravity's rainbow dude that's good that's really good accent work. i know Holy it's shit. good thank you yeah. um but i um i think it has more to do with him re- keeping secrets so like in the first one he doesn't reveal that he knew all along that marta was involved because of the, the blood stain on her shoe Oh right? was, yes! He plays the yes. long game. He plays the Gravity's Rainbow game, and then this one, right? He had to play dumb because he had Helen as Andy, right? Right, so, right. Um, I. It's funny. My two MVPs, maybe okay, maybe not MVP, but like people that I thought were really good in the cast are ones that both of you did not, the three of you did not mention. Um, Jessica Henwick plays oh, yeah. an assistant. assistant. I think her name is. Yeah. Her name is Peg, and she's a bucket hat. And I, I really liked her performance. I always was like trying to look for her in the the wide shots because her reactions were usually very funny. Mm. I think also like she's playing a youth, which might just appeal to me. Mm. Like everyone else is just kind of older, so like I was like, yeah, that's how I would react to. <laughs> uh, and I also really liked um, Madeline Klein as Whiskey. Mm. She's she's got some funny moments, I think. Um, Dude, but honestly, I, sorry, I didn't go for it. Turns, yeah. I was just gonna say, I think it's funny. It, it was funny to see. Uh, um, oh, what's her name? The you, the first person you mentioned, Alex. Jessica, Jessica Henwick. Jessica Henwick, because she was in. I don't know if anyone saw Iron Fist, and she's like, yeah, one of the few people putting in like like a good performance in that show, <laughs> <laughs> like in like a very terrible show, but show that rough. I. I think it's yeah. fun. It's fun to watch because of how stupid the main character is. But like, yeah, I, and I I do support her just for that because I I kind of like that show does have a somewhat special place in my heart because it's it's so dumb but it's so like kind of fun to watch it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, she's also in the the new Matrix, which I never ended up mm-hmm. seeing. She's um, the rabbit person yeah. or something. Um, I have a question for you guys. Oh no, it, Peter, what were you gonna say? Yeah. Dude, I was just gonna say that Jessica Henwick usually plays like such a badass, and you just yeah. see her in this assistant role, and <laughs> just like, whoa, <laughs> which universe are we in? <laughs> I love a good playing against type, which is also yeah. what I think makes Benoit Blanc so appealing, because for the exact same reason, really. Um, 
I have a question for you about accents. What did you think about Janelle Monae's Helen accent? Uh, I don't remember. Which, which one is the accent? I can't tell. What's her normal voice? The Jeez. one with the accent, Peter, is the accent that I'm talking well, about. Well, everyone has an accent, Alex. Yeah. Oh, the southern, <laughs> su- uh, southern accent, right? Is there- oh, I thought that was very great. Uh, he talks like this. Like, hey, Benoit, I gotta find the, the murder of my sister. She's Sully. Uh, yeah, you saw it. Yeah, I thought it was like a joke. Like when she, when we first are see Helen with the mask on, and she's at the door, and she's like this, like I'm, I'm doing an action for the listeners yeah. at home, <laughs> and she's like Benoit Blanc. Like I thought, I literally thought it was Andy in disguise, oh, really? and it took me maybe ten minutes to be like. Oh no, this is it. This is a new character. Oh really? Oh, I didn't yeah. have that at all. I, I thought it was convincing enough. I didn't notice. I remember you in the theater like laughing about something and I could I could tell that you thought the accent was bad, but I remember thinking like, oh no, it's I think it's fine. It's it's just silly. Like I think in a movie where you already have one Southern character like that. <laughs> that's it. Like not but to that's say a, that Southern I actually people like are that. silly, but I like know. that they formed the, the Southern duo. Well, I mean, and also, it's very nice that you're able to, like, distinguish, like, who is she right now? You know what I mean? Like, like when, when you true. hear, yes. like, the, the more high class, I don't even know, like, how do you describe the other accent? Like, when regular. you hear the, the regular <laughs> accent. Sorry. Regular. <laughs> I say that ironically, because I know it's not yeah. <laughs> the normal voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when she's actually speaking like a normal fucking person. It's just southern. It's just southern. Yeah, it's just yeah. Anyways, um speaking of southern characters, there's something that I, I figured out when I was writing my letterboxed review for this movie. Um I think part of why this movie does not work for me, where Knives Out works so well, has to do with its characters in that in the first one, the lead character is indisputably Marta. Mm-hmm. And it's it's her story in which Benoit Blanc is a side is a supporting character and kind of dips in and out of the plot. Whereas in this movie, Benoit Blanc is probably the main character, and Helen is the supporting character, I suppose. And I don't think that works. And at, at the very least, it doesn't work for me. I think that Benoit Blanc is someone who as like, I love him as a character, but I think he, I think his role in these stories should be as a supporting character helping who just kind of like shows up and helps kind of thing. And I think the issue is that in, in the case, he has no personal stake. It's like, it's an intellectual pursuit for him. He doesn't actually like what happens in the case doesn't actually matter to him that much. Whereas Marta, it was like, well, this is like, this could upend her whole life, right? Sure. If she's, a, a, you know, accused of murder and her mother could get deported, right? Yeah. So I think going forward, I think I, at the very least, I hope that Benoit Blanc is moved back to supporting. I just don't think it, he works as a main character. Still love him, still love Daniel Craig, but it does, you got to know your place, I think, Aiden. Uh, yeah, I actually, I think I prefer him as the main character, but I do think that's a valid point about him not having a stake in the plot. Because I agree, like, now that you say that, that was one of the things I felt with this movie, where, I, like, 
you feel kind of inherently disconnected to it because of it. Um, but I think like I would rather just see one where like he shows up and then like in the next one he shows up and then he just gets looped into it in a way that is personally important to him. I would prefer that rather than like rather than like necessarily it always being about uh, the people that are directly involved in the case because I just I don't know I just think that's more fun. I think I just like that's what I want out of like whodunits and maybe it's like a subversion of that and like i don't know maybe maybe there's something i don't get but like for me i think i prefer to follow him that's like murder on the orient express type i was just gonna say is hercule poirot the move the the main character kenneth branagh's character in those films um is he always the lead character i i don't remember and i didn't see death yeah i think usually i I didn't see any of them i'm I'm pretty sure he is the main yeah Okay, so it's it's more like that, which is yeah. I think maybe why Knives Out is more interesting because it's kind of subverting that in a way. But sure. um, Peter, you had something to say. Yeah, I d- I don't I don't mind that. And I think he does have a personal stake. Like at first, he he's sort of just warning Helen. It's like, hey, you know, like this can be dangerous. But then when like he started, you know, when the gunshot actually happened, that's when like he's actually personally invested and. At the very end, I think we get a very nice catharsis that, hey, I don't have any like power and like legally I can't do anything, but I can give you a simple push to let you you know accomplish what you want to done, what want to be done, which is sort of like getting a little bit of payback and then also like reuniting like the group of friends. And I think he did that perfectly. Like he's sort of like the catalyst that pushed uh, uh, Helen to do these things, you know. And I think that's a really beautiful way to wrap up the story. To Even be, though, like, yeah. technically, like, it is, like, I have no idea the consequence of, like, burning down a whole mansion, but <laughs> that is a separate question. And you can't, yeah. you can't post it on Zillow if you do yeah. that. Yeah. I, I think that, yeah, you do bring up a valid point that, like, to be fair, like, he is the one that kind of convinces uh, Helen to go through with this. So, like, it is on him a little bit. And I think after the twist is revealed that it's, in fact, Helen and not Andy, I think that he does have a little bit more stake in it, but yeah, I think he does. He still feels a little disconnected from it. Yeah. I think my issue is that I, I completely agree that the gunshot, there's that moment where he starts crying in the first time we see that scene where, right. He, he sees Helen or I think it's Andy, I guess in that case die and he starts crying and that should be a powerful moment, except it's the fact that they kept it as a twist where I don't know the relationship and I don't believe it. Right. Right. And I think if they had actually developed that throughout the film, then yeah, like if, if these were people that I actually truly believed were friends, then yeah, sure. Like then I can see, yeah, it's a personal stake for his relationship with Helen. Like he, this is someone he, who he admires, right? Yeah. Do we well, want to also, about- like, oh. the powerful thing is, I think, like, you slowly figuring out that, hey, like, it's not just a random person who's just, like, being a bitch all the time, just died. It's, like, what? actually, like, there's something deeper. And then, like, you sort of have this moment. <laughs> That's a weird way to describe that. <laughs> well, like, she, she was, women. like, being cold to everybody and just Theater exposing women. That's what we figured out. Dude, come <laughs> on, come on. Don't, don't <laughs> cancel me. <laughs> Um, but, but 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 like i think i think like we had there's this like nice and maybe brief 
moment that you realize that, hey, this is like someone that we're supposed to be rooting for. And like now this all, all of that responsibility is falling on Blanc before the reveal that she didn't actually die. I think that period of time was like where you sort of process the emotional shock as you're slowly figuring out what's actually going on. Sure, I don't know what the fuck you're just saying right there, but to be honest, <laughs> but um, okay. sh- sh- so, sure, so, I, no, so I, we, do, I do. No, you see her getting don't. shot, and then and then we don't figure out that she didn't actually die for a bit. You know? Yeah, I think that's stupid. So I just want to. I want to. Sure. Yeah, um, Ethan, what did you think about the Benoit Blanc stuff as like a him, main character, him being the protagonist? Yeah. I uh, kind of agree with Aiden in that. Um, like I, the, my my favorite part of the, of the two movies so far is is Benoit Blanc, and um, I would even go as far to say as in the in the first one, even though I like Anna de Armas as an actor, I I got pretty bored of following her. I'm not gonna lie, um, and maybe it, maybe it's because I Knives Out came out like what like four years ago, and I to be fair, I I literally knew what the twist was um, before I watched the movie, so I was never really that invested i suppose but like i i just got kind of bored of 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 uh of following her and i i think that the whole time i was watching it i was thinking i that i wish benoit blanc was in it more and but you had, did you see glass onion before you had seen knives out i did like, yeah the first time i did okay yeah. so then that might be because you've seen benoit blanc as a main character first yeah. and then you see him regress to I think, side character. i think that probably is it um i also think i was so many, I also don't think that in a whodunit, like it, it's necessarily a good thing to have the detective as the main character. Because I also think in like Murder on the Orient Express, like, well, a Kenneth Branagh is much less charismatic than Daniel Craig, but yeah, like, I, I just, I don't know, it was kind of boring, like watching Kenneth Branagh's character in that one. So I, I, I don't know. I, I just, I think it, it's, I, I see it both ways, but. I just think because of how interesting Benoit Blanc is, um, that it, I don't know. I think it it's, it's it's yeah. maybe I think it does work because I I don't think that like he, although he's the protagonist, like I don't think he's the one that undergoes a change in these movies. So it's still like it's almost like there's yeah. like a co-protagonist. Like Janelle Monae it's... isn't like a full protagonist, but like she like she is the one that like undergoes change for the most part. Like he is not really learning any like crazy he's, lessons he's basically a static character yeah mm-hmm. um, so i so, so yeah yeah let's talk about that twist though that we're all kind of alluding to so about halfway through the film it's revealed that andy who we see get shot in front of us we oh okay so she gets shot in front of us and then we have to rewind and reveal that psych that wasn't andy that was Helen the whole time. Andy's twin sister. What? Which yeah. is like how I was like, I was like, okay, really? We're, this is this it is, is a Andy soap movie. opera plot device. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it is. Um, and so, like, well, I kind of already said this, but I, I did not believe it for a second. I was like, no, there's no way you're doing that. That's really stupid. And it was. It was exactly what they did. Um, what did you guys think about the twist? Did My... you see it coming or? My, no, my problem with the twist, my my problem with the twist is you could not possibly see this coming. There is no True. there is no chance you could ever predict this, and I think <laughs> that's it's random as fuck. And that's I think my biggest problem with this movie is that 
in a whodunit, I want to be able to solve the mystery along yes. with the movie, and I want to be laid out enough clues that I could perhaps solve it before the movie even gets there. But mm-hmm. I actually, I think because of this twist and the way the plot is presented, the movie, this movie makes that impossible because you couldn't possibly solve it until you have that bit of information. And then from there on out, it's pretty much just them describing the plot and bringing up things that like, like there's no way you would guess that. Like there's no way you would know. And so you just, it's just, it's you're trying to piece it together and then you realize you couldn't have, and then it's just explained to you for the rest of the movie. And I, I wish that it was like, I want them to be like more interactive than that when it's a whodunit. And I just feel like, I was a little let down by that. Absolutely. I think after the twist is revealed, it's just 30 to 45 minutes of exposition. That's like, it's relentless where they're literally describing to you the motives of everyone Mm -hmm. instead of letting you figure it out for yourself or anything. And I think also like it, it just kind of like halts the story. It's like, okay, we've got, we've, we've hit a roadblock. Now we have to backtrack to literally the beginning of the movie and fill you in with all the context that should have been sprinkled throughout. Yeah. And it, it does feel like we've stopped and yeah. And we're then not moving forward. Not by the time forward. we get back, we're like, Oh, there's not that much left. Like it's like, no, Oh, okay. Peter has his hand raised. Thank you for waiting patiently. What do you have to say? I actually quite enjoyed that. Um, Cause I think I, I, I agree that there's, <laughs> very little chance that you could figure it out on the first way around but i also thought it's super fun to like how this movie challenges your expectation and your assumptions like when first we see it from benoit's perspective we see dave batista uh looking at edward norton's character you know and uh whiskey getting getting hot on the bed we're all like oh shit she's cheating on him you know um but then i love how you describe that scene (laughs) Um, and then, and then, like when we see it the second way around, it's like actually Dave Bautista is actually happy that this is happening because that like, he wants to get his news network started, and like it's actually a tactical move by him. And he's like, "Yes," instead of like, "What the fuck," you know? Um, and I and I thought like these twists are super smart. Uh, like they might not be smart in the way that you could see them coming, but they're smart in the way that on the second go around they all still make sense and they enrich your experience by challenging your expectations. Sure. sure. But I, I think, sorry. I, hey, I have my hand yeah, up. Yeah. Hey, That's fair. Go ahead. I, go. I think that that is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. I can use that scene. Isn't that scene so much better if we have some inkling that Dave Bautista might not be looking at it like it's cheating? Like what if we knew a little bit about the news network thing before that? Isn't that twist so much more rewarding? if you could have predicted it. And then, so that way, when the, when we learn what's actually going on in that scene, you're like, Oh, Oh, that makes sense. Oh, okay. And then instead, what we get now is just like, yeah, it's a different thing than how it was presented. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's literally like, it's part of the long running narration segment where I, we just have to listen to Janelle Monet's grading for me, grading, Southern accent <laughs> explain to us everyone's motive, and I'm missing like set like maybe 25% of the important words. Maybe I don't remember if it's the accent or just how quickly the exposition is going. Mm. So, like that scene in particular, it took me a second to be like, wait, what what did that mean? And there was no break 
for me to process what just happened because then we have to go to the next person. It's so like, bam, 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 bam. Here's all the motives lined up in a row. And they're just like given to you for free, right? It's it's just, it's very cheap. And yeah, I, I was not a fan of that. I, um, I don't think so. I think uh, it's more like that you already know something's up and you already see that the fact that every single one of the friends are reliant on Edward Norton in one, in, in one way or another. And now you're just like, beforehand you're just seeing the puppet and now you can actually see the strings you know and i felt i feel like instead of watching this movie trying to be the detective yourself instead you can watch this movie as like more of a story and just follow along and enjoy it at least that's how i watched it and i really like how it's done sure uh yeah i want to hear from ethan what do you think about all the twist uh well i honestly i though i, I agree with what all you guys are saying i honestly think i have to side with, with peter more because although I do think it would be more rewarding if, if there was a possibility of being able to predict it. Um, I, like I was saying earlier, did not watch come into this movie expecting anything phenomenal. So I was kind of just willing to be entertained by this. Uh, and when there was, oh, she's a, it's a twin sister. Like it was kind of like a soap opera. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> oh that's crazy. <laughs> And I was, yeah, I wasn't really, I don't know, uh, for a while I was trying to predict it, but um, yeah, like they weren't really giving us anything. So I kind of just gave up on, on trying to predict it. And I was like, I'm just going to watch and see how this goes, you know, like, um, and I was entertained by it. I don't know. I thought I, yeah, I was just like, whoa, twin sister. Like, that's, oh, wa- oh, that's crazy. Oh, yeah, that's oh, yeah, yeah. she's got a sister. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. I think yeah, some movies just they're they're not built to be clever. I guess that's that's a fair point. Um, in the flashback, we do see I don't know if it's a Halloween party or what, but for whatever reason, Edward Norton is wearing Tom Cruise's costume from Magnolia. I did oh. not. Oh, I didn't. I couldn't I didn't get that at all. I couldn't place it while I was watching, but I heard people talk about it, and then I was like, "Oh my god, that's why!" Like, it's so familiar to me. Oh, that's you... hilarious. I've never seen it. I, I saw in the talking point that you said Magnolia reference, and I was like, I have, "I have no idea what that is." Yeah, basically, it's so it's one of the scenes in the the original Glass Onion, the bar, and Edward Norton is wearing I think like a shiny maroon shirt vest, and he has the long hair and the ponytail, yeah. which is exactly what. Um, Tom Cruise looks like in Magnolia. So it's funny because I was like, at least one of you, surely one of you had picked up on that. And it turns out none of us did, which is fantastic. Um, And I think people were saying that it's like, it has to do with the idea that he doesn't have an original idea in his life. Like, like he's always copying other people. So I don't know if that meant that like he watched Magnolia and then based his personality on Tom Cruise, which is an interesting (laughs) choice. But anyways, that's not much to talk about there. Um, let's talk about Helen getting shot. Um, question. Was it cheap to, that Helen did not actually die and, and was like, so like, like, like so quickly, (laughs) clearly, I clearly have an opinion on this, but I will wait. (laughs) Ethan, let's hear from you first. Yeah. Although I, strangely enough, I could forgive the twin sister. I thought that her not being dead was really stupid. Um, that's so funny. Like, I don't know why that's yeah. where I draw the line but I was like, nah, like you can't be 
I was like, because they do this stupid, like, A, I'm not a fan of, the, of like, the shot, the close-up of the CGI glass breaking, like the David Fincher shot. Like, I, I hate that stuff to begin with. So I was already, like, mm-hmm. they're grading me. And then suddenly, yeah, like, oh, psych, she's actually not dead. And then actually the tears were hot sauce. And actually the blood is hot sauce. And actually, like, and I would just say. Jeremy like, Renner's hot sauce. Yeah, and don't I, I don't know. I thought I thought it was pretty cheap. Um, and I just think it's, I don't know, like, it's all, Again, like I was, I was, I was able to get over it because I was just willing to be entertained. But like the fact that the the book, Edward Norton shot yes. it, like in the book, just over it's, her heart. I don't know. It was just too. Uh, it's I know convenient. it's a dumb. I know it's a dumb, not a dumb movie, but I know it's like a comedy. But like I was like, you guys are really pushing it. <laughs> yeah. um, it's very convenient that you know he shot where the notebook was. The notebook's not very big, and that they just happen to have hot sauce on them. Like, yeah, I think you're right that. I, I completely I completely agree with you. Uh Peter, what do you think? I think that in the moment I was like, oh, she's 100% dead. Like fuck. Like I really like this character and now we're just learning more about this character and like she's dead like this innocent girl caught in the mix just trying to get justice. I was I was ready to get sad, you know. And I was like, oh, whoops. Actually, there's a book there. <laughs> just happened to solve the bullet. Um yeah. like it w- it felt cheap in the moment. I can't lie. But um as the movie progressed and like as we witnessed like the fi- the finale, I can't forgive it, but it still felt cheap in the moment, you know. Don't you think it would have been so powerful for if Ben Wong's character, if you want to make him the protagonist, make him have a friend and then kill her off? Like that actually would work, I think, right? And then he's invested for real instead of doing this stupid soap opera True? death fake. Okay, first. Netflix is releasing this for Christmas. So <laughs> people so, die during Christmas, Peter. All right. God. Um, second, <laughs> um, I think this would work, but also like, wouldn't it defeat Wall's purpose? Like his whole point is that he provides information, but then the character actually figures it out. Like it's he is about helping people, not being like the guy doing the helping. Uh, sorry, doing the thing himself. You know, well, wouldn't it be interesting if that was like a character, like him taking a stance? That would be cool over like a trilogy or whatever. Yeah, like I feel like maybe that's what this is, right? He starts as a sporting character, then he's a main character, and then he gets involved. You know, like I think that's that'll be cool. Yeah, that'll be cool. Uh, Aiden, what did you think about the uh, Helen getting shot in the moment? Yeah, I didn't really feel much about it. Like I kind of had that reaction, like when it's like the twin sister thing. I was like, yeah, for sure. And so, like, like, again, like, so much stuff happens within that short period of time that it's, like, when I – and I kind of got to the point when where she doesn't die. I was, like, okay, well, she can't. Like, she she can't be dead. Before. I know, yeah. Because it just doesn't make sense for the story if she is. And so, like, I think by the time I realized she was alive, I was just, like, okay. I don't, I don't think – I'm I'm the reverse of Ether that I think the the twin sister thing was more jarring for me than the fake out death. Um yeah. I yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't that um put off by it. Okay. Um my next question. A big part of this movie revolves around the Mona Lisa and this really stupid glass case that keeps shutting whenever people like really? snap their fingers or when their phone vibrates, I think. What did you guys think that was about? Because like I kept being like, okay, this is gonna, this is gonna play somehow. I, I don't know. And like I was literally thinking the whole movie, 
that was like the only mystery like thing that challenged me was trying to figure <laughs> out how they're going to incorporate the Mona Lisa thing. <laughs> I think it pays off like okay. I think no, I really liked the button moment where it's like, but I installed a failsafe button. Um, so what did you guys think the Mona Lisa moment was going to be or anything about the Mona Lisa really? Well, like you kind of know it's a gimmick, you know, like such an expensive art piece that's, you know, famous. And like, I mean, the way they used it was fine. Like, it's like, hey, your fuel source just burned down the most famous painting in the world. No way it's, it's going to take off now. Like, it, it's that's it. You know? yeah. Uh, it is a little there's not a lot there yeah in retrospect uh ethan um i also spent um a good chunk of the movie trying to figure out like what the metaphor um for that was um and then at a certain point i decided that i I usually try to not try to think too much intellectually about uh things like that when i'm watching it the first time so eventually i just let it go and decided that the general like feeling that I got from the Mona Lisa was that it was like, um, um, like some kind of, um, like wise spirit, like watching over the proceedings and laughing like that. (laughs) That was like the feeling I got from it. And I don't know, like, that's not, I don't know if that's what he intended, but like, I thought it was kind of interesting that like the Mona, like the Mona Lisa kept like, like especially with all the shots of the eyes and stuff. But yeah. at the same time, I really feel like the the way they did it, especially on the second watch, I felt like this. Um, I feel like it seemed like they had wrote, written written the script, and they didn't have the Mona Lisa thing in it, and they were like, "Man, we really need like one symbol or something." What to, like, if <laughs> like, Mona Lisa? In this movie, they're like, "We just need like a symbol or something. Like, we just need like one more like thing in this script, and then I think we're good." And then they threw the Mona Lisa, in. <laughs> and that's just—I I think that's how I feel about it. Uh, I love that. We need we need like one more thing. That's so funny. Um, Peter's itching to say something. I would uh, say one thing though. Like the the glass case shutting um, is like does so in quite a bit of chaos. Like the fact that yeah. one like uh, like especially when Duke Duke's death scene, Dave Bautista's character's death scene. Uh, like we see him lying on the floor, shattered glass everywhere because like you know his glass broke, and then it's just mm-hmm. silence. But then uh, Mona Lisa's case just kept going up and down because uh, of like phones yeah. going off or something that that scene worked you know uh there's already like like everyone's panicking no idea what's going on and then you have just it's just silence but this case going up and down you know just a little bit adds into suspense and also tension in the room which i thought was cool i think that's true yeah yeah Yeah, i had like there was there's a specific line when they're first introducing the fact that it's there that I remember in the theater being like, oh yeah, okay, like, I I kind of get where you're picking put I I'm picking up what uh, you're saying there, but I don't remember <laughs> at all. I don't remember at all what that was. Um, I do think that like I was thinking like the thing they say about the Mona Lisa, and they might even say this in the film is that it's like when you look at it from different angles and stuff, like it's a different um, expression that the Mona Lisa has. Mm -hmm. And I thought that like that could lead into this idea of like, 
like they're all like fake people and they all like the big thing of the movie mm, is yeah. that like edward norton's like built up this persona and you're meant to perceive him as like this uh like elon musk like well elon musk sucks and sucks as well but i mean like like this persona like oh he's like this really cool guy and he's done all this stuff and he's a genius but it's all it's all bullshit and like it's just like a perspective you're looking at him from and it's not actually um it's it's not true like and and then everyone else has like conflicting motivations and they're all they all have like snaky they're different than what they present um and then there was something i thought about the fact that there was a glass covering it and maybe it's the idea of like it's this idea like you're thinking that there's something concealing the truth but there actually isn't if you just look it down like there's actually nothing obstructing the truth whoa but and i I don't know bro i wonder if maybe I wonder if maybe the Mona Lisa is a metaphor for um, Edward Norton's character. Does he have a name? We just keep calling him <laughs> Miles, Edward Norton. Miles Braun. Right, Miles. Miles. Braun. Yeah. So I wonder if, like, yeah, the idea that he's got this glass fortress around him and he's mostly impenetrable, but he has, you know, these moments of weakness. And it's really the, the thing that weakens him is a stupid thing that he designed, right? It's the, it's the dumbass button that he... And it, puts it's, a, into it's like the... a chord jester as well. Oh, yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So like, it's this stupid button. It's a, it's a stupid idea of his that leads to his downfall. And I, I like what you said in about the um, like it's it's so transparent, right? So you can just kind of like see him, and it's it's maybe maybe the idea is like it's not as deep as you think it is. Yeah. Um, for like like the Mona Lisa, you know, people think if there's like all these layers to it maybe it's not maybe it's a little more simple but um i think also the the mona lisa ties into like just like it, it just happens to tie into the more recent um climate activists like yeah, defacing yeah. paintings and oh stuff like i was that. thinking of that yeah. Yeah, yeah so now that's clearly like happenstance yeah. just because that happened way after filming but it is kind of funny that and i think that was one of the major things that you know, people seeing the movie and reacting to it were like, it's w- really weird how timely or like how observant this is just based on what's mm-hmm. recent events, right? Yeah. Things getting uh, covered in tomato paste or whatever. Um, Ethan, did you have a, a hand raised? I might have missed you for something. Uh, I was just going to say, Aiden said he didn't remember what the line was and um, you, the, the version you paraphrased is pretty much bang on what it was like. Um, he says like da Vinci invented a type of brush stroke that leaves no lines so that depending on how you look at the painting right. it uh, can either be like super sad or like ecstatic oh. yeah cool right. um, speaking of like how on the pulse this movie is there's a lot of commentary going on uh, Miles Braun is a pretty clear parallel for Elon Musk um, and I think all the commentary on that was pretty fun and just like dunking yeah. repeatedly on Elon Musk was a great idea and for it, Brian Johnson. It is funny how much that coincides with Elon Musk, like yes. publicly exposing himself as like a little baby, like <laughs> more so than ever. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, yeah. The signs have always been there and that's what Ryan Johnson used. Yeah. But yeah, yes. The, the, the coincidence is just so, so good. I, I, I can't really like, describe it but um and yeah i I mean just like the idea the the fact that ryan johnson creates this character that's based on elon musk and then has his 
not probably not his insert character, but like one of his own original characters being like, "You're a fucking idiot! Like, you're so <laughs> stupid!" And like just like for five minutes, being like, "It's so idiotic!" Right? Like I love that. Oh yeah, and another <laughs> detail I like is that he's saying like the wrong words because it's like yeah, the yes. first because the first time. Oh yeah, it's not it, a word. <laughs> I was like, I was like, is that? Is that right? And then I just like I dismissed it from my mind. So that was an example of something that came back that I was like, oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Um, Ethan, do you have any thoughts on this commentary? Um, uh, I thought um, I I'm I'm pretty sick of everything to do with Elon. So I was the, the Elon itself. I was I just thought it was like pretty funny. Um, I thought it the Dave Bautista one was the funniest. Um, honestly, yeah. I thought. I thought <laughs> I thought especially there was something interesting to me about how his knuckle tattoos were like Superman and Star Wars. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah. I laughed at that too, yeah. Because I, I think like a lot of these guys, they just like, they like seep into like like symbols like Superman and like the, like I think it was like the Rebels symbol from Star Wars. And they like co-opt it for like their own like men have been hunting for 10,000 years and like <laughs> it's only in the last hundred years that like men have been like <laughs> like whatever like that kind of narrative <laughs> yeah. um well, i think for that it's it's a lot of just like the people who are into that subculture are also just happen to be yeah. fanboys like yeah. that venn diagram is dangerously close to a circle <laughs> yeah. right like um but no I, I think it is very astute those tattoos was there anything else you wanted to say about that um no, I mean, I thought I thought his like underwear gun holster um, was pretty hilarious. Dude, the fact that he just fires off shots at the pool was like the <laughs> yeah. most random yeah. shit ever. Yeah, and I, I did like I did like how his mom um, just like just, oh like, yeah, just, just like, casually just, solves just, the puzzle yeah, too. Just, like, yeah, smacks him around like yeah. you, like, like mom, yeah. I'm recording in yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> did you yell at your mother <laughs> yeah but i thought um, yeah he was good yeah no i i really like that too uh peter what do you think i think okay i think like your comments basically covered all of that i think what's so interesting for me personally is uh this relationship miles has with his friends it's like this sort of relationship that i've supported your career and i've been like the person lifting you up and it's really hard to sever that sort of relationship when it gets unhealthy, which like, you know, like it got exposed in this movie. And I think like the commentary, it makes that how difficult it is for people to betray, like their sort of like financial supporters is like a real interesting comment on society as well. You know, like the fact that uh, Miles been basically like carrying them through their careers. He gave them their jobs sort of. And now it's really hard for them to, they see that he is corrupt morally, but they can't betray him because he has been their sole support as well. And like the movie's subtle commentary and just like making us observe that is very interesting. Absolutely. Uh, Ethan, you have a comment on that? Yeah, I, I well, not necessarily on that, but I was just um, in term like comment on the um, uh, like the social commentary. I thought actually Catherine Hahn's character was really funny or a really good social commentary now that i think of it because i'm glad that he didn't just go like all the craziest characters or like the far right wing guys because i like how yeah she's like she's like the super like i'm tough on climate change if you don't like that kick rocks like you dirty (laughs) conservative whatever like um 
and then but that she's actually a terrible person as well and she actually doesn't care at all about like her platform she just like is like peddling the like far left um agenda and she like really only like this deep down like both her and dave bautista only care about the same thing but they're just peddling it on different sides and I, i thought that was pretty interesting yeah no i liked how um miles was able to just like cover up everything just based on his connections and yeah i think i think peter kind of mentioned this already but like it does speak to society as a whole right now and so i think that was pretty astute um there's a lot of movies actually this year that came out um that kind of tackled these ideas and just like general apathy and you know hatred for the rich which is very interesting so there was this movie there was triangle of sadness there was the menu there was now this might be you know i don't know if this counts but bodies 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 also has um a little bit of criticism of the rich not quite to the extent of the the other two that i mentioned but um it's a bit of a trend going on um last year i think ready or not came out um which was another i don't know if you guys saw that's a that's a long time ago i think ready or not was 2019 or something yeah but i I don't know about release just because things were a bit dicey these past couple of years. So yeah, I don't like actually. That. Yeah, it could have very well been 2019, but it seemed it's pretty recent as well. Yeah, um, but compared to the Triangle of Sadness in the menu, what did you guys? Where does this one rank amongst those ones? Does it do uh, the commentary better? Is it more interesting? What do you guys think? Um, well, my take on the menu. You know, we we talked about this. Like, I don't think that's what the f- focus of the menu is i know that's definitely in the menu right but, but yeah like it, it is yeah there. no it's for sure there i just i don't think so i would say like i don't think the menu is offering anything crazy but i do Get it? what offering the <laughs> menu oh, oh my god, god. <laughs> yeah. um but I, I think it does a good job again like my general take of the menu is that it does a very good job of just doing what it wants to do um, so okay. I think the menu does a good job of tackling what it does on the scale. Whereas I, and I've already said this too, I think triangle like bites yeah. off way than more than it can chew and thinks it's saying way more than it is. Um, yeah. I actually think that I had more to think about from this one than a triangle of sadness. And I would also say that about the menu um, just in terms of like class commentary. Um, yeah. So I, I would say I would rank both of those above triangle to be honest with you. That's interesting. Ethan? Yeah, honestly, I mean, I, I didn't see Triangle of Sadness, but um, I did see the menu. Um, and honestly, like, I think I think maybe part of the reason why I liked this movie so much when I first came out of the theaters is I really thought they were, like, right on the beat with the social commentary. Like, especially, like, the whole, like, disruptor angle. How, like, there's the whole, like... Yeah, like, yeah. There's the whole, like, betas don't want you to, like, understand that if you just grind... And just yeah. like, and don't, don't break the rules and like, don't do yeah. it. They tell you then like, yeah, that's you're going like, to so like, found like the, whatever you're going to find like Airbnb too. Like you're going to, I don't know. Like yeah. there's that whole like culture that I think is like at the, like, like it's the cancerous, like source, the well, the wellspring of like all of, <laughs> a lot of the problems on social media. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it, that's like that's like also that's such a like Silicon Valley tech bro like we're disrupting mm. like we're changing the game here like that's such a yeah I thought and I thought that was really on the money too. Yeah, um, Peter, what do you think? Well, I'm with Aiden there. I don't think menus 
about class. I think it's more about how like passion is corrupted over time because of like you know external more material things. You know, um, but I, I do think triangle. Like I like triangle. So for me, probably like this is above triangle.、Uh, this is below triangle, but. Uh, probably above the menu when it comes to class commentary, at least. It's it's funny for me because、yeah. I think I I might have enjoyed Triangle more just because it is I don't know like, like it's like supposed the, to make you think of these things. For this movie,、I'm, it's more like a side thing, you know. Like it it's what the plot plays into. It's like I I think ultimately Triangle makes me think a little bit more. Although I do recognize that so many of its points do not require very much thinking and are very obvious,、mm-hmm. like like I I keep thinking back. I think it's one of the points Aiden made during our podcast for Triangle of Sadness: the influencer eating the pasta and then not eating the pasta. And it's like, yeah, we know we know、yeah. influencers don't eat the food. That's not、yeah. that's not astute at all. Right,、um, and then that scene goes on. Well, actually, that scene's not super long. That, that scene's short, but yeah.、Um, as as much as like. There's、uh, those elements. I do think it gets into some really interesting stuff eventually.、Um, I think maybe Glass Onion is just a little more even, yeah, and like, for sure, like the average is just a little bit smarter, and also it it just helps that、um, it's a little more digestible. I think it's easier for audiences to understand.、Um, as for the menu, like I know that it's not just about classism; it's also about the perversion of art. But class is definitely in there, and I mean, I you know I didn't like the menu very much, so I think I think this was better. But、um, yeah, Ethan,、uh, I was just gonna say、um, one the kind of strange thing that I thought、um, at the end that they、um, they they kind of missed the mark a little bit. I think is like yes, like、um, not my, I was gonna say Miles Teller,、uh, Miles Braun. <laughs> Um, he is taken down, but the rest of them are all scumbags, and、oh, they're、yeah. not—they're、yeah. all just going to get away with it. And like, they are kind of just okay with taking down like the biggest one. And they're、yeah. like—they don't even really mention they're like all the rest of them are all scumbags, and they're all just going to go、and、back and do、yeah. more scumbag stuff. Yeah, I actually I felt that way too. I feel like they none like they don't get their comeuppance, and the movie is almost like. Yeah, they have a heart of gold, and it's like these people yeah, in real life no, do、don't. not have、yeah. a heart. <laughs> no, <they're bad> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also that was the second time where I was like, "Oh, they die now, right?" Yeah.、So、Helen is the fake out death. I thought everyone in the mansion was gonna die, and that's why Benoit Blanc had to step outside to save himself. And I thought, <laughs> like, again, like it's a much darker movie, but hey, Knives Out was a much darker movie, and. Either one of those scenarios, Helen dying or everyone inside going to hell, which would be fantastic <laughs> for the metaphor. I mean, but like that would have been such a cool move for Benoit Blanc to just be watching outside the mansion, seeing everything go up in flames, and just know like those people just fucking died. Dude, like, this, that's, we're it, seeing the fucking James Bond origin story right here. <laughs> sure,、um, I don't know what James Bond you were thinking about, but、um, I don't know. <laughs> What do you guys think is which is better, Knives Out or Glass Onion? I think Knives Out. Give me one answer thing. Knives Out, Peter. I, I think they're on the same level because I think、um, they excel、um, in their own、yeah. regard. <laughs>、okay. um, 
I like I guess like I haven't seen Knives Out for a while, so I can't mm. say this with confidence. But Knives Out probably edges it out by a little bit. But I did enjoy both of them very, very much. So interesting, Ethan. Um, honestly, man, I think I like the second one more. Uh, That's crazy. And I'm not like I think like part part of it may be because like I knew the biggest twist in the in the first one before right. I even watched it, and like several years had gone by, and I'd listened to people like say it was Rashomon two and everything, and like I just I think it kind of like, <laughs> like subconsciously I was just like okay, like I've seen a Ryan Johnson movie before. This guy's he does a lot of interesting stuff, but like I don't know, he's he's just like he's a pretty good director <laughs> and he's not uh, yeah. i don't think he's anything more than that honestly um i think i agree he's very mainstream and sometimes people forget that but i think he's on the the better end of mainstream for sure Absolutely. He's not, I, agree with that. I think like he he'll be closer to denis you know than i think that's he's like twelve thousand no. years away from denis i'm not gonna lie well, he's you. closer i'm not saying he is no denis, denis like this is when okay i'm gonna step into a bit of like film school guy here but like it's it has to do with like auteurism i don't think ryan johnson really has an auteur-ness to him you know like i feel like like i said it's very mainstream pretty traditional camera placement and stuff like that where denis villeneuve is although yes being kind of like something that general audiences can take and like it's not too weird I think Denis Villeneuve has a clear voice in his movies um, as a director. I think you can you can feel it really well. Yeah, uh, I'll just I'll, I'll just try I'll try to get through this quick um, and then let someone else uh, talk. But I was um, I actually Steve Yedlin was here in Winnipeg the other mm. month, and I attended the class that he did. Oh, you did? I was thinking about that. Um, was it? it was it was it was pretty good, and he was a smart guy, and um, and like. The, he he pointed out that the way that him and Ryan Johnson work a lot of the time is they they really do try to do the the scene first like purely like visually and their style is to do it a lot with camera moves like they do a lot of camera moves that I find are kind of weird to be honest but it's um, a lot of um push-ins like yeah. watching knives out again i was like wow we're just like like we'll push into marta cut to someone else and push into marta again yeah. <laughs> i was like okay but like um, sorry like, so, uh, sorry um but like an example is like he like he is like a, a talented director um sorry um the example i was gonna say is like the scene where kate um hudson i don't I keep wanting to say a, a different kate kate hudson has her hat down and she's talking by the pool uh, and she's talking yeah. to Peg and then like she kind of moves her head and the hat comes up and then Janelle Monet is revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, he does, which I think is, is clever. And like, he's doing like the, he's, he's doing it in an interesting way and he's, and he's doing like the gag visually. And I, I think he, they, that them together, they do that very well. I just think they do it in a way that is, I don't. I was trying to think of what the word is earlier. I don't think it's commercial, but they the where Denis would yeah. do that is more like I would definitely say it's more artistic. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. I don't know. It's a it's a little bit of a gray area, but I I just think the way that Ryan Johnson does it is more like consumer grade. I guess like no, that's <laughs> fair. Know. Yeah, it's high end consumer grade. Yeah. yeah, I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. Um. 
I do have a question. Uh, last question for the movie for me. Uh, we got a lot of movies this year, and I think this one appeared on the top 25 for whoever that was. IndieWire. Indie IndieWire, yeah. Yeah. So I want to know, and I'll, I'll kind of preamble here for you guys to pull out your letterbox list if yeah. you have them, or just at least think about it. Um, but where would you rank Glass Onion for the year vaguely? Um, does it make your top 10? Does it make your top 25? Uh, so while you guys figure that out, I can, I can tell mine. Sure. But, um, I don't think it makes it my top 10 but it is in my top 20. It's at number 17. I have it under Triangle of Sadness, and that's I don't know if that's its final spot, um, but I do have it above Pinocchio. <laughs> really? Yeah. Which one? And I, Which Pinocchio? What? <laughs> I'm, kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Good one, yeah. Peter. Um, and actually, I, I do have it. I have Avatar, The Way of Water, the one, the movie we did last week. I have it at number 12. So it's actually quite a bit higher than I said. Okay. Um, is anyone ready to present their thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm in a similar position where it's definitely not in my top 10. Like just off the, I don't have my official list yet, but uh, it's it's not in my top 10. Um, it's definitely in my top 25, though. Uh, if for no other reason than like, I didn't see that many movies this year. So, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I, I like this movie. So it is in my top 25 for sure. Probably probably around where it's placed on your list, Alex. Probably in that range. Like 17-ish, yeah. Yeah. Um, Peter, uh, what about you? I've seen... Okay. You haven't uh, seen very let much. Me, let, me, let me just count. I've seen 20... I've seen 25 movies this year. That, that's Bro, released. You can have a top 25 now. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I've, I've seen 25 movies that's released this year. I should rephrase that. Um, um, and I think it makes top 10 easily. Again, you haven't seen very many movies, though. So like, yeah, dude, can... I've seen... Okay, okay, okay. Let me let me rephrase. I've seen 60 movies this year. Out of the 60, 20 oh, of no. them are released this year. Yeah, I got that. So That's not that's not yeah. something I'm struggling with here. <laughs> um, okay, that's interesting, though. Um, Ethan, what about you? Uh, I definitely don't think it's in my top 10. Um, but um, I definitely liked it more than movies like Bullet Train. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably like uh, probably about the same as you guys. It's probably about a seventeen or squeaks in at twenty, I guess maybe. Okay, cool. Um, do you think it'll get a nomination for best picture? I certainly no. hope not. <laughs> I don't think it. I don't think it will either. I I really don't think this is something that. Yeah, I don't think that's something you to... submit for best picture at all. Well, yeah. well Thor Ragnarok or Thor Love and Thunder. <laughs> Got nominated. <laughs> no, no. Uh, what is it? They submitted. Get, like, they submitted. Submitted. Thank you. Yeah. But no fucking way. Yeah, I, I retweeted that. You're joking. Like, literally no. every no, category. for best director too. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, no, but uh, okay. I I think I heard that there's supposed to be like ten nominations for best picture, right? Mm-hmm. Ish. Yeah, they just so like. Get like, like does mon- does Marvel just have money to burn or something? Like that's no, ridiculous. No, no, okay, okay. To answer that question, I heard that apparently it's pretty traditional for a movie to just submit to everything and just be like, yeah, whatever. Mm, okay. They just do it. I don't know why. Peter, do, well, okay. Did Black Panther get submitted for Best Picture? Well, that's a good question. Like, would that make? That's really funny if they chose onion? Thor as their front runner over. No, like, uh, of Black course Panther. not. <laughs> no. Like I just said, I think they submit to everything. Okay. Like I think the score like a, of Black Panther is amazing and deserves a nomination for best original score. 
Okay, well, we're not talking about best original score, but, like, there was a thread for the Thor Love and Thunder, like, everything it was being submitted for, because it was, like, Thor Love and Thunder updates, like, one of those Twitter accounts, and it was just, like, best actor, best actress, best supporting, best supporting, best movie, best director, right? Like, and, like, you could, like, several threads on. Um, But, like, okay, so our, our 10 for best picture. Tar, maybe? Everything, everywhere. I hope Nope makes it on. Top Gun Maverick, The Fablemans, maybe Avatar, maybe Pinocchio. Well, okay. Um, decision Triangle. to leave did get submitted for Best Picture. Just letting you guys know. That would be awesome if it did. I think Tar and After Sun should definitely like be serious contenders for this. I think The Fablemans will definitely get nominated. I think I think Everything Everywhere will win. Still, I think that's such I hope a. So. I, I I really do think like the ball has been thrown to them and all they have to they just have to put it in the net. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, I just feel like that's such an obvious benefit, yeah. move for them. Like, I don't know. I think Banshees could get nominated, even though I hate it. I <laughs> love Banshees. It's such I, I a great also, movie. I really like Banshees as well. I thought yeah. it was I uh, I would like to see it. And it's really fun. Um I saw Barry Keegan retweet like his scene with uh Colin Farrell's sister, like the scene by the yeah, lake yeah, where so, like yeah. Uh, he basically he's trying to you know get around to say like hey would you date me um, like that scene is actually like watching back in isolation that's a very touching scene you know it's quite good like in the yeah. theater you're just like hey haha, that's funny you know like but like watching True. back it's very touching I, th- okay. I think Crimes of the Future should be in there too I thought um, the story was maybe a little weak but I was pretty immersed in uh, in like the world that I didn't see Crimes of the Future. That's one that I, I that slipped either. through the craps, cracks for me. I, I actually thought it was pretty, pretty cool. Pretty cool movie. Yeah. I, I don't see that one making Best Picture. Whether or not it should or shouldn't, I, I doubt it will. I just don't think people like that one enough. Um, anyways, we need to wrap this up. Um, sure. Do people have any final comments about Glass Onion, a Knives Out story before we I've move said, on? I've said my piece personally. You said your piece. Yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> you always say your piece. Yeah. Um, Peter Ethan? I I'm good, yeah. Cool. Uh, and we have a segment. Yeah, uh, so I don't know if the listeners have, like, noticed, but um, our podcast is called Predator vs. Movies. Uh, so we've done the movie Jeez. part. It's time to get into the Predator part. We asked the question, would the Predator from the movie Predator make this movie better if he was included? <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, let's, yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, and to answer your question, um, no, no, yeah, no. that's what I would say too. Actually, that's crazy. <laughs> what, do you, what do you, Ethan? That's gonna have to say no. <laughs> Peter, dude, Ethan Hawk is a predator. Ethan Hawk transforms into <laughs> a predator, swims up yeah. the island. Oh, okay. To be clear, murder. you're not. You're not accusing Ethan Hawke of being a predator. Just, <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. absolutely not. <laughs> Unless he is. Well, I hope not. He's a he's, great person. I have not heard anything yeah. bad. Yeah, it sounds like he's a very nice guy. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> How do we, um, efficient, How efficient do we get man here? rips off his skin and becomes efficient yeah. predator. Um, I, I don't know if I can think of anything else. No, I, I have no idea. Like maybe like Miles Braun incorporates it into his murder mystery, and then yeah. it's just like creature from the Black Lagoon, Predator chasing yeah. everybody around. Yeah, it turns out Predator's real, and Miles Braun is just an idiot. And he's like, "You'd be so sick if we had Predator." Yeah, 
you're you're an idiot. That's <laughs> not a person in a costume. <laughs> it's a real predator. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I. <laughs> yeah, that, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'm uh, still amazed that Daniel Craig like came and Ryan Johnson came up with the idea of the southern accent. Like, I didn't watch many trailers before seeing the first Knives Out. And then when Daniel Craig started speaking, I was like, whoa, hold up, what? Yeah. I was fully expecting, like, an English accent. The, the southern accent did not exist before then. <laughs> it's like the way you phrased that. It was like, I like how Ryan Johnson and uh, Daniel Craig came up with the southern accent. Ryan Johnson had talked about experimenting with different accents for every movie and just have him inexplicably change accents every time he shows up but i think they'd run out pretty quickly before getting into offensive territory probably yeah. but um i think i think ethan do you have anything any ideas where predator would show up in this movie um the other thing i was thinking is it would be uh it'd be mildly amusing if uh when janelle monet is running around into the various rooms she comes in the room where Daryl is, like the like island bum. Oh my and god, we didn't like, talk about Daryl! And, and then, like, Predator is just in there, and, like, and he <laughs> just takes, like, a hard pivot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I don't know. Let's talk about Daryl very briefly, but, like, I didn't find that that funny. I was like, oh, okay, sure. I barely remember. It's just him appearing at the most random scenario. You're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Oh, here's Daryl. <laughs> yeah. I was like, eh, whatever. I thought his um, first appearance was pretty funny, actually. Just <laughs> walking across. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I think I think as it progressed, I was like, yeah, this isn't really that funny. It's, yeah. Um, anyways, I think that's enough for our classic segment. Um, yeah. Peter, do we have another segment? I think we yeah. do. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I haven't seen anything uh, in the past three days. The past three days. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But uh, we do have a segment called Predator Picks, where we give our recs of the stuff that we consumed recently. Yep. Yeah, okay, thanks, Peter. (laughs) Basically, that is it. Um, Ethan, a classic question. What have you been watching this week? Last, last week, let's say. Um, last week, I, I, I rewatched the movie Cure. It's a, a 90s Japanese um, serial killer type movie, and I think it's pretty fantastic. I would uh, I'd say it's like a 9 out of 10 movie for me. It's pretty pretty great. Cool. Um, I also watched Audition. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen Audition. It's about... Um, I think I've heard of it. It's, uh, it's about a... Uh, a guy who's uh, looking to remarry and he's buddies with like a casting director and they decide to make a fake casting post and audition. Oh, that sounds so cool. Wife. And then it goes horribly wrong as you probably imagined. Um, I, um, I just finished reading um, love in the time of cholera by Gabriela Garcia Marquez. Um, and it was pretty good. <laughs> it wasn't as good as, wasn't as good as a hundred years of solitude, which um, is his most famous novel, and I think it's probably one of the better books I've ever read. Um, so I would definitely recommend that one. Uh, less so, Love in the Time of Cholera. Cool. That's it for you. Um, yeah, yeah, I would say so. Dude, I totally expect audition being like a comedy. And then I searched it up. I was like, holy shit. Oh, no, it's not a comedy. It's a, <laughs> if you're a little squeamish, I would not watch Audition. 
It sounds a little fucked up. Yeah. Um, have okay. The rest of us have we seen anything in the I, past three days? I have Aiden? legitimately okay. watched more things than a normal episode for this one. <laughs> I I actually saw two <laughs> movies <laughs> over the past over the past two like three days. I've seen two things. Normally, I'm the guy who comes and I'm like, yeah, no, I didn't see shit to be honest with you. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so uh, first thing I watched was Banshees of Initiative. I was trying to catch up on uh, uh fucking movies of 2022. I uh, watched yeah. Banshees. I very much enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really good. I thought as it went on, I liked it more and more. Yeah, thought, fuck you, Alex. Fuck um, you. <laughs> I thought uh, I thought Colin Farrell was like particularly very good in it. Um, I liked... Uh, there were some... I, I thought it was like a fairly simple cinematography style, but I thought that there were still like some legitimately like gorgeous shots in it. There's one in particular where Colin Farrell's character is waiting in the pub for uh, Brendan Gleeson's character. And it's just like, it's like somewhat high angle and the bartender's like in the foreground and he just looks so alone. Like he, it's, it's just such an evocative shot for me. Um, that being said, it wasn't, like it's not I don't think it's in my top five of the year. I, I enjoyed it a lot, but I don't think um yeah, like I, I thought that like it's it's fairly simple, but I think that's actually one of the strengths of it. But at the same time, it's some it's simplicity is something that kinda holds me back from loving it too much. I don't know. But at the same time, Pearl's simple, I like Pearl, whatever. But anyway. Um, uh, I, then I also saw a uh, decision to leave last night, which I thought was so fucking sick. I was so excited to see that. Movie. Like there's like mind blowing, like shots in that movie. Like the, I, I'd seen like a little bit of it before, but like the scene where it, they're interrogating and there's the mirror in the background yeah. and the focus is changing between like their reflections in the foreground and everything. Oh, and I loved the, I loved like the zooms. I loved, uh, like it, there's this theme of like of watching and being watched and like what happens when you're, when you're watching, what happens when you're not watching. And I think it's, it's done really well. I think it's like, it was a like such a compelling movie to watch. And it had like so many good, like neo-noir elements to it, like in yeah. a style, like you can definitely recognize like a movie I was thinking about was like good time. Um, like has like some, some mm. uh, similarities visually, but then also like uh, I'd even say like, Altman, what's uh, the uh, long goodbye, long goodbye? Like, there's yes. like some oh. references okay. there, or not yeah, references, yeah, yeah, but like, yeah. like a similar visual style. And um, everyone, everyone should watch that movie, by the way. Yeah, that's yeah, a really good one. It, yeah. And then also, like, in subject matter, where it's like everyone's kind of like a little shifty and they're doing things that aren't, you know, the best things. But uh, yeah, I, I loved it, and that probably is in my top five of the year. Um, and so, yeah, I recommend that one for sure. Yeah, I think we have to do a pod episode on it, um, probably sometime in January. Yeah. We'll try to fit one in. I would love to watch. Um, that was another movie where as soon as I finished it, I was like, I'm going to watch that again for sure. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, And I, I don't feel that way about... I actually will watch Glass Onion again, but I don't feel that way about Avatar. I don't want to... I don't have three hours to kill <laughs> that often. Um, so that's that's it for you, though? That's it for me, yeah. Peter, have you seen anything? Nope. Yeah, I didn't think so. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw two movies, but like... Um, I don't really have much to say. Like I watched Senior, the uh, the Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Senior oh, yeah. documentary. I heard some great things, and like it wasn't that good. Like it was okay. It was it was interesting, but that felt like like pretty rudimentary <laughs> to be honest. And like I don't know, 
yeah. Um, I also watched uh, a Winnipeg movie that I don't like. I, I can recommend it, but there's no way people in Winnipeg would be able to see this by the time this episode comes out because the last showing is this week. Um, uh, there's, we'll have there's one next week if that's what I think you're talking about. Perhaps that's maybe? what I'm going to see. So, <laughs> so I, I I watched um this movie called Diaspora. 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 Ethan, are we talking about the same yeah. one? Yeah, that's the one. I think the last showing is uh, to like next. I thought it was the twenty second. So uh, no, I'm pretty sure there's a showing next week. It's like the twenty seventh or something. Okay, there you go. So okay, if you're hearing this and you're in Winnipeg, go see it. Um, and I don't know, maybe it has a wider release eventually. I don't know how, what they're doing with it, but it, it is a Winnipeg movie. And usually, I don't like Winnipeg movies. I haven't seen too many, but I saw one this year. And I was just like, like, I get it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I haven't even seen the Guy Madden one, but like, I know that it's a genre unto itself. And yeah, I'm genre. just not, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot and I don't care for it. But Di- Diaspora does so many different things that I really appreciated. It's, first of all, not in black and white, thank God. <laughs> like, it's, it's actually vibrant. Like, I could tell the color correction was like upped up a, a little bit, not pearl level, but. Like it, it's very colorful. Um, it's very like it's not. It's focused on something. It's um, it's about like the Ukrainian and immigrant experience instead of just being like Winnipeg vague, which I I always have a problem with. And it's pretty funny. I there were some pretty funny uh, moments. Uh, Ethan, I was gonna say I was wrong. It actually runs till the twenty second. I was uh... <laughs> ah shoot. Okay, <laughs> there you go. So yeah, um, probably won't be able to see it unless they extend the show times but it, it was a, it was a good time and i it was a a rare winnipeg movie that i liked um and I, i'm hoping to see more in the future uh so so i can have a stronger opinion on winnipeg movies in general but uh that's it for our predator picks uh so next week uh we might be doing babylon we might be doing the whale probably one of those two but there's a bunch of things coming out um if you like what you hear and you like what you see go check us out at predator v movies on twitter and instagram um, also leave us a like or a five-star rating or a review. If you read, if you leave a review, we will read it out and we will sing your praises. Yeah. Um, and we'll love you and, forever. And we'll love you forever on whatever platform, uh, you listen to, uh, follow me on Letterboxd at underscore Alex Gordon underscore. I leave reviews in. You can also follow me on Letterboxd at 810sunny. That's 810-S-O-N-N-Y. Um, and my name is Wombo. I also sometimes leave reviews. Thank you. Uh, Ethan, would you like to plug something? You don't have, you don't have to. You don't uh, have to. No, I got nothing to plug um, other than uh, all this merch that I got to unload. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna comment any further on that, but <laughs> no, I don't know. Buy his vague. You know, just dropping any day. Yeah, I got, I got a lot of merch, and I gotta get really going to buy that merch, though. <laughs> what kind of merch are we talking about here? Is this oh, like yeah, T-shirts? I, I got uh, spatulas. I got uh, chopstick holders. Oh, I got. Oh, yeah. uh, I got. Like, I got low quality business? Bluetooth earbuds. Oh yeah. Uh, no, clearly not. Household objects. I got. Uh, you know, I got books. I got picture Just frames. The, the stuff people really want. 
Yeah, I got cork okay. boards. You know, I can make fake IDs. <laughs> Do they have like like your your face on them? Like this merch? Like what is it promoting? Is it for the podcast or no? It... You know, my goal with this merch was to promote the human experience. Right. So okay. I. <laughs> I kind of decided my, my brand would be, I thought it'd be really interesting if my brand was completely transparent and there was no discernible features of oh, my brand. Okay. So yeah. I'm selling stuff with absolutely no markings whatsoever on them. Yeah. Okay. So are you just describing a garage sale? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on down. <laughs> come on down. Okay. Check out, check out Ethan's garage sale at... 810-S-O-N-N-Y <laughs> Avenue. Um, In the city anyways, of Wombo. There you go. Uh, anyways, uh, that was, this is a fun show. Uh, and, uh, until next time, I'm Alex. I'm Peter. I'm Aiden. And I'm Ethan. <laughs> and this is Predator V Movies. See you next time. Yep. Predator vs. Movies. <laughs>